0: Last week, Motorsport's greatest voice, sadly, was taken away from us. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey guys, Dre Harrison here, your host of Motorsport 101. Welcome to episode 292 and uh, what we call season preview season here on Motorsport 101. It's one of our favourite times of the year. We get excited, or at least try to get excited, about... Motorsport starting up again, our mainstream series all starting up a little bit later than planned this year, uh, late March, early April. Um, but uh, sadly, we have to start the show on a pretty somber note. We'll get into the exact reasons why very, very briefly, but I'll, I'll bring in the host first and foremost to say hi. RJ O'Connell, as always. Hello, sir. Well, I always said anything happens in Grand
1: Prix racing and it usually does. Um, mm. We're, we're going to talk about that. In a bit, it is Formula 1 season, preview season uh, on the podcast. One of our favorite times of the year.
0: We'll get there. And trust me, we'll be lighter hearted in about 20 minutes time, I promise. King, hello, sir. How's it going, man? Hello. Uh,
2: I'm just, I'm just segue out of this for a bit. Brief joke. Just so everyone's clear, this is in fact. It's better not be out of pocket, King. It's not out of pocket. It is about the America's Cup. And I'm upset.
3: I'm upset that Luna Rosa Now, why are you upset, it. King?
2: Luna Rosa oh,
3: choked. King, it. King, like so many of the faithful, put his faith in the factory Italian team. And they just, they, they, they crumpled up that opportunity to win, yelled at the top of their lungs, Kobe and it went right in that trash can <laughs>
2: Yeah, they they, oh. they botched race strategy twice and those are two wins that probably would have meant we would have had a, an even series right now but no, they choked it King, we're
1: not yet to the Formula 1 preview we've gotta stop talking about Ferrari botching race strategy
3: oh, also please. congrats on the... the way they were looking in preseason they're not even gonna get a chance to botch a race win
1: yo, yo, congratulations King on them fauci
3: Yep, thank you
0: Hey, uh, I was gonna—I was gonna say, like uh, having faith in the factory Italian team, not normally a good idea in, in most veins of sport that we follow. The America's mm. Cup, sadly, no exception. Uh, and finally, also sporting the green today, Cam Buckley. Can King? Did you not get the memo? Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> King, no. King you're now banned from. you banned from the corned beef and the booze. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, hello everyone, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to record a nice F1 season preview with my friends, and much like 2020, 2021 is being a right old bitch with it.
0: It's making, it's it's making it hard. It's it's embracing the grind this year, and I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form a good thing. Mm. We'll get into the um, obvious reasons why. If you've been watching this, we are recording this on March seventeenth. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all those that are listening in. Um, the color of green is is not is purely a coincidence, but uh, here we are. Um, yeah, I mean, uh,
3: I would have, <laughs> I, I would have brought a nice tall beer onto the podcast, but uh, I'm supposed to be playing basketball after this recording's over. And man, me playing basketball drunk would just not go well for <laughs> anyone involved. <laughs> so. uh... Try. Better to drink after the fact.
0: We try, we try. And we fail, but we do try. But places you can find this real quick are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Uh, if you're watching us on there already, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, subscribe, hit the bell if you like already. Leave a like and all of that good stuff. And you can get notifications when our next videos go live. There'll be a lot of those in the next couple of weeks coming from yours truly. Because I'm going team by team and reviewing the uh, all the Formula 1 teams for 2021. As we speak, at the time of recording, I'm already just over a further away through the paddock now. Um, next one up will be Alpine and Ferrari, and that will probably be out on March 18th. So if you're listening to us live on the Discord server, good news, you're getting a video tomorrow. By the time this goes up, there's probably a good chunk of the grid already done. But I uh, hope you guys have been enjoying that. In the meantime, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at uh, Motorsport underscore 101. Our handles are on the screen as well if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're not... Um, we are at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at C. Buckley917. Um, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially as well on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Uh, five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio content, ten bucks for the video version, and access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Shout out to the chat, as always. We've got Finley, Jason, we've got our man, Lewis. Congrats on the After the Flag gig, buddy. Great job as as we all thought we were going to do. Made it look way too goddamn easy. Uh, Sasha and Zoe in here as well. I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Um, And, uh, yeah, um, all the details of that and much, much more will be on our website, motorsport101.com. Oof now the new section was always going to be kind of a brief one um, given we've got to kind of intersperse testing obviously with some of our season previews anyway but sadly in the last week not one but uh, we lost two very important figures in the world of motorsport in this past week one of them sadly this morning uh, the, yeah. on the day of recording which is just doubly sad but uh, we did. both yeah. equally important in their own way um, we have to talk about The tragic loss of Samari Walker. Um, And yeah, uh, yeah, RJ, you can lead us off on that. Yeah.
1: Um, Murray Walker lived to be 97 years old. He passed away on March 13th, um, survived by his wife of 55 years, Elizabeth. Um, I think what stands out to me about Murray Walker is the joy. And the enthusiasm that he brought to formula one as a commentator uh, or, or just a commentator of any sport because murray walker's broadcasting career spanned seven decades did you know that he was a radio announcer for a for a pre for the 1949 british grand prix which means he was calling races on radio before there was a formula one world championship and his last commentary gig was on bbc radio in 2007 yeah of course, many will know that he was the voice of Formula One in the United Kingdom for BBC from, I want to say, 78 to, uh, to 1996, and then picked it back up with ITV from 97, from 97 to 2001. Um, I, as an American, didn't get a chance to grow up with Murray Walker on commentary. At least, we still have him video games. Um, Murray, of course, very famous for his work in Formula One, also did touring cars motorcycle racing that was the thing he did before he really got big in f1 he was him and his father
3: uh, called motorcycle races in fact uh, both of them cr- both of them did motorcycle races and yeah. uh, were reasonably successful with it I I think
1: Murray Walker, was one of the greatest voices in all of sport not just motor racing by itself but in all of sport like on the stature of someone like a like a vince scully was to perfect to is to professional baseball for instance uh that's uh like murray walker is one of the greatest voices in sport you know we talked about his energy i know a lot of people will rightfully point out that like even when Murray flubbed his lines, even when he had a gaffe on commentary, one of his famous Murrayisms, and especially later in his career when this became more common, I don't think I knew of anybody that could be remembered warmly for flubbing their lines on commentary whenever
3: they did. Well, I think it's <laughs> and, something fun to relate to where you get so enthusiastic about the sport that you're watching that you forget how to speak properly.
1: And that's just the thing, because that yeah. you kind of forget that, like when when murray was on his game nobody could paint a picture no. of a scene that's playing out in motor racing better than he was nobody brought the level of enthusiasm every aspiring broadcaster in motorsport wanted to wanted to be like him in their own way but he was a one one of one kind of person and you know he had you know his, some of his most famous calls whether it's Mansell blowing a tire in Adelaide in 86. Prostin set his two run-ins. Damon Hill winning the championship in 1996. And I have to stop now because I have a lump in my throat. The list goes on and on. He always found the right level of emotion for every moment. He could be critical of F1, too, and its competitors, but in the moment called for it, but he was never he was never unfair. usually left that to his color guys. And he had so much joy for his job. That he can make he can make a dull race seem entertaining, and he make an entertaining race seem like one of the greatest moments in all of sport. Um, Murray lived to have a fantastic long life, and I think everyone will remember him long after he's passed because he left behind so so many happy memories for anybody who listened to him, whether he's calling races on television or radio or even just having a bit of fun like calling a game of snooker with, with jeremy clarkson or doing a pizza Hut commercial with damon uh, like damon hill like it's it's sad and he lived a long time and i guess many people might have might have known that like hey you know you, you have to cherish when somebody like that is here with us because um because they may not have long on this earth and Murray was with us for a long time, and he will certainly be missed, as will somebody that we lost just this morning, Sabina Schmitz, the queen of the Nuremberg ring. She battled cancer for four years, and we lost her this morning at the age of 51. I think most of us will probably know uh, Sabina as a a presenter and a guest on BBC's Top Gear. Um, But before that, she was... An incredibly accomplished racing driver one of the very best one of the very best women drivers that we've ever seen by way of winning the 24 hours of the Nuremberg ring not just once but twice in a row driving a bmw m3 um and then later on in her career she co-founded the fricadelli racing team who've been part of the Nuremberg ring 24 hours ever since and she nearly won the race a third time. She finished third or overall with Frickadelli back in 2008, um, which, of course, all of her reputation as a Norse Life specialist. She was one of the ring taxi drivers where you could just pay a few bucks, ride around with a professional racing driver and get to drive around the green hell at full speed. Uh, and that led to her appearances on Top Gear and even for a brief time, being a Honest to goodness, co-presenter of the show during that brief turnover between the Clarkson and the Harris years, um, and Dre, certainly, you you know, you know a lot about uh, Sabina's appearances on on Top Gear, which were very very entertaining.
0: Oh, season five um, was when we first saw her um, back in the early days of the show, back when they were still uh, there was still a lot of of car journalism at its core and. I rewatched it this afternoon for obvious reasons and it was the <clears throat> it was the infamous challenge where Jeremy Clarkson has to drive a diesel-powered uh, new Jaguar X-Type round the Nürburgring in under 10 minutes and like the Jeremy's coach was Sabine and and she was sarcastic, funny, brave, you know, you, you- <laughs> Again, I've said it so many times, motorsport is such a male-dominated world, and it will be for, for a long, long time, and then you see, you, and this is the first time i would ever seen her, and there's this woman that's going around here in a diesel jag, and she's kicking the asses of everyone that's going around, overtaking Porsches, overtaking dudes on superbikes, overtaking people in M3s, and... It was mind-blowing to, to watch that. And this this was when I was, God, I think 13 years old when it first aired. Um, she is an incredibly important figure when it comes to women in motorsport in the 21st century. Because the amount of people, the attributes that I saw um, on Twitter from women who are fans of the sport saying that the first time they could see or envision maybe them being in that same industry down the road was seeing Sabine on Top Gear. Maybe if it wasn't the first time, it was certainly the second time when she had that iconic line, the iconic follow-up, where it was like, I could beat that lap time in a van. Uh, And she very nearly did a few years later when Richard Hammond was there for again her second appearance on the show. And there's even a fantastic and very um, unfortunate joke at the end of her first appearance where... You know, again, as Lewis points out in our Discord chat, the first time that Sabine took the Jagger around that lap, she did it 47 seconds faster than Clarkson did. Nine minutes and 12 seconds. And then when Clarkson's getting the piss taken out of him in the studio, he turns around and says, um, well, she's so fast, we're thinking about giving her your job. Which actually <laughs> oh, happened yeah. about a decade later. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I- came,
3: it came true. Um, It
0: actually did come true in in, in the mysterious way the world works, but the amount of people that were introduced to her via Top Gear will be priceless. Like, Given it's one of the most watched TV shows in history, certainly in modern television, given it's on the world service and given it's in so many countries around the world, so many influenced, so many inspired shows down the road. It was one of its most important appearances, not that we knew it at the time. um, But yeah it it was it was tv goal i've said it before if you haven't seen it season five episode five go find it it is um I've, i've still said this as a top gear hard nut fan who's watched all 30 series it's one of the show's finest moments the emotion of clarkson finally doing it in the end is one of those things where it's 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 fantastic television and it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Sabine. She's got a little footnote in that show's history and it's priceless. Not to diminish anything else she's done in a real-life yeah. racing car, but in terms of modern pop culture, it's, it's incredibly no, it's, important. It's where, it's where she's very recognisable.
3: Uh, of course. the motorsport world lost two Giants this last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what what more can be said? Uh, one of ones true originals, people who will, while they may be gone, they their names live on for eternity. Absolutely, yeah. um, so, Dre.
1: Um, mm. Some if you if you have some thoughts about because you're the because of all this us being stateside again, hmm. we
3: did we, we, didn't we only got it really pro. in video games.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, just, I. Just yeah, some thoughts I mean, on Maru Walker to close things out. Um, it, I, I, I did a few words on Instagram last week, um, but I've, I've done some thinking, and it's another one of my favorite broadcasters who gave me a quote that stuck with me about a a decade ago. And it was, um, you may know him from combat sports. It's Mauro Ranallo from the WWE and from his time when he commentated in Pride um, in Mixed Martial Arts as well, where he said, we as commentators are soundtracks to the fight, obviously referring to himself and obviously what he was doing at the time. But I think that's synonymous with any sports. And when you think of great moments in sport, you often think of the great commentary on the calls that are made alongside it we how many times have you joked about in this very discord about dale earnhardt and the 20 years quote that sticks yeah, that resonates exactly. so strongly with his win and it, it, it's the same with us brits and murray walker like all, all of my favorite moments as a young motorsport fan he was the soundtrack and I remember being a young Ferrari fan in 2000 at Suzuka. I'd gotten up at six o'clock in the morning UK time because I thought this could be the one where it was like Schumacher going to finally,
3: yeah, finally like, put it together this year.
0: Yeah, we grew up a house of Ferrari fans because like, my first poster on the wall was a Ferrari 550 Maranello. So you know we were all Ferrari fans. Dad woke me up at six a.m. You watch it, and then you know, Schumacher came out on top, and he finally won that third title, and the first for Ferrari, and goodness knows how many years. And, you know, I even remember... I remember Maurice calling, and it was just an, an addition to that moment, because he knew how important Schumacher was to F1. He was the guy. Even when he wasn't winning, he was the guy. And that's no disrespect to Michael and or anybody else in the sport, but he had become an integral part of what we knew F1 to be in the early 21st century. And he was there. I remember Dad spoke for years about Damon Hill in 96, the lump in the throat quote, the, you know, Jack Villeneuve and Schumacher when they tangled at Haref in 97, you know, there's so many little moments that Murray Walker made better for his presence. And that is the biggest endorsement I think you can have of any broadcast or any commentator. Like a great soundtrack is so important, and Murray was that soundtrack. He he had just this unending, undying enthusiasm and love for this sport, for motorsport in general. Something I cool love the way he, drops Something that we I, wish I, we could have.
3: I, I love the way he put it in an interview in 2013. That it was never work for him. Murray did it because he absolutely loved the sport, the people in it, and every moment he spent as part of it.
0: Yeah, and you could tell every time he picked up a microphone. This was never work. He did it because he genuinely loved what he did. And that love and that passion came through in every broadcast he did. And... If we can live our lives personally to ten percent of the love and enthusiasm that Murray had for his passion, which was motorsport, I think we've done all right in life. And look, I I try to be. I I'm not really the most somber person in the world. People that know me on this Discord know I'm I'm the first guy to crack jokes, the first guy to, you know, try and crack a smile and pick everybody else up a little bit. And I, I want to, I, if anything, I want to celebrate his life because I wouldn't be the most sport fan I am today if it wasn't for him. And 97, as we cricket fans say, is a great innings, regardless of, of you know, however it ended, you know. And he he was, he's a wonderful broadcaster, a wonderful female being. What a life he had. I know a, a few Let's bricks out he there. Lives, there's a... <laughs> he,
3: he, he lived to 97 and yet it feels like he lived a life 10 times that
0: yeah it's crazy it is crazy he's got a fantastic documentary the BBC made about him from a few years ago it's 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 front page on the iPlayer right now for you Brit listeners out there I highly recommend it if you haven't already um check it out on BBC iPlayer I think I think it was rebroadcast a couple of days ago so check your skyboxes as well if you're if you're that way inclined um but yeah as as RJ alluded to it's a it's it's him and Vince Scully, I think, are the two most in- incredible sports broadcasters ever. It's a club of two, as far as I'm concerned. And he is the voice of Formula One, and he, f- he will forever be the voice of Formula One. And that's no disrespect to anyone else who's picked up a mic before or after. But when I think of motorsport, I think of Murray Walker. And I- I'm sure that will go for a lot of people. Should we should we for should 2021, guys? Should we preview that? With that, <laughs> that in the mood a bit? I think, uh,
3: yeah, a little bit of a mood <clears throat> change is necessary.
1: Yeah. All right. So, I got us organized. Uh, the first thing I did <laughs> was I asked the Motorsport 101 community uh, on Discord. I asked our supporters um, where they think all 10 constructors will finish. I put out a poll. 15 people voted in the poll. Some of us did. Some of our community did. And how that poll turned out is the order in which we'll start talking about these teams from the from what the community believes will be the 10th best team in Formula 1 out of 10. And the best team out of Formula 1 out of 10. And I've got to say, y'all are very certain about the top and the bottom of the World Constructors Championship table. <laughs> Everything else... Could be a mid spag. Who knows? Yeah, I think
3: it, I think it was said pretty well during testing. There is no midfield anymore. It's just the field and then theoretically the two teams out in front. <laughs> and then theoretically the two teams at the bottom. Uh so Maybe. the community
1: voted. And also after we talk about every team, we'll have some prop bets, predictions, uh, championship odds for entertainment purposes only. Um so the community voted! And the team that you think is going to finish bottom of the barrel is your old Cali Haas F1 team with Haas VF21 Ferrari and a all-rookie lineup of Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Schumacher from Germany is the 22-year-old Formula 2 champion, winner of two races, 10 podiums, three fast slaps, 20 top 10 finishes, 24 races. And of course, he is the FIA European Formula 3 champion. Nikita Mazepin is a neutral athlete from Russia, 22 years of age, credibly accused of sexual assault in a video circulated on Instagram and other forms of social media. Oh, and he was also fifth in the 2020 Formula 2 championship with two wins, two fast laps, six podiums, 17 points paying finishes in 24 races. And the vibe that I think I got, and King, I'm sure you agree with me, is that unless
4: it's <laughs> Mick
1: Schumacher suiting head-to-head dominance, which I'm going to tell you for free, that's my first hot take, is that Schumacher is going to go 23-0 and head-to-head qualifying. It's not even going to be close. Mm. King, I kind of get the feeling that, like,
2: this is kind of a, this is going to be a weird year for Haas. Yeah, it's going to be a weird year for Haas. Uh, it, it's... The reaction on social media, uh, to be fair, not
3: good for Haas. No no one likes their team. Nope. Uh, no. No. No, ha- Haas have very quickly fallen from likable new team in F1 <laughs> to fuck these guys on social media hey Cam, in the space a of question. a couple years. yeah. got a
1: question for you, Cam. Uh, what sort of new and groundbreaking features does the VF21 have compared
3: to its predecessor? You see, I want to sit you down, Mr. O'Connell, because you were yelling <laughs> at me for weeks. <laughs> that Ferrari isn't going to let this car flounder. That they can't <laughs> let Mick Schumacher, their prized possession, the heir to the Schumacher dynasty, end up in a shitbox. Ooh. Well, um, mm. to be fair to Haas, they brought, I think, a sum total of three new parts. Ooh. Three of them, that, 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 three. That's compared to last Found year. Em. Not That's Mm -hmm. compared to last year because this car is very clearly an interim car. They've already said they're not going to develop it. It has more or less the changes required by the new regulations, an under-nose cape, and a slightly adjusted front wing. That's about it. They look slow. Their mileage was... eh, Okay. They Um, got mileage at least. Yeah, um, which is a running theme for all the Ferrari-powered teams. And there's just... I don't see anything particularly positive about this team except for the drivers in the seats and that's certainly to say nothing about their personalities. Mick, whose mm. personality I'm fine with, and Nikita Mazeppin who can go, uh, well. Anyway. Know. Go, go <laughs> you know, it's find um, a quick it's, way to a ditch. Um, yeah. I don't think... Yeah. The problem for Haas is that on driving talent realistically they didn't upgrade on last year because they're both going to need no. to find their feet. The car is a nothing burger. It's the ultimate nothing burger of a car. Their livery had to be investigated by Wada for <laughs>
4: circumventing
3: <laughs> the Russian flag ban. Which uh, you know it's Gunther bad Steiner.
0: when you make you know, you know it's bad when you make Wada seem like the good guys here. You know like that's, yeah. that's never a good sign. Y- y- like now, fair yeah. enough. You
2: know screams. They said it's fine. Yeah, you know it screams? I'm not guilty. As in, hey, we have a backup case of team gear just in case
3: anything happened. <laughs> I was going get, get the Sharpie pens out in color and color in all the dark blue-black. Um, but... There's nothing to suggest out of testing that Haas is going to do anything more than flounder at the back. I we saw it last year that Romain Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen had to dig real goddamn deep to get any points out of that car. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's
1: the other thing I wanted to talk about. I'm sure Dre can agree with me on this. Mm. It's like, yeah, Romain Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen have at points in their careers, and Grosjean especially before he almost died in Bahrain mm. uh, yeah. several months ago, they were the butt end of so many jokes. Grosjean can't keep from crashing the car. Magnuson can't keep from crashing his car into other people. But mm. those are two big experience losses that they now have to fill with two rookie drivers.
0: At worst, you could say they were two serviceable drivers who, if the car was good, you knew they could score points on a semi-frequent basis. Their speed uh, although, was not the issue. Yeah. No. The, the the big problem last year was probably their reliability. They had 10 DNFs last year, more than any other team in the field. I mean, when... 10 out of your 34 cars for the season, don't see a checkered flag. That's not a good start. I mean, last Um, year,
3: they they were open about it. Their aero balance was shifting something like 4% from corner to corner, which is cataclysmic in the world of aerodynamics. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think think they will genuinely be the worst team this year.
0: And that's not to say
3: anything about... uh,
1: It's it's not even going to be the driver's Uh, fault. Is Discord
0: okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say Discord just shit itself. No, I was going to say everything's fine on mine. I was going to say is that the bottom three are in their own category last year because we were talking about the guys that barely scored a point. There's like a 100 point drop off from AlphaTauri to the bottom three from last year. Right now, at least with Haas, sorry, at least with Williams, I should say. There's some genuinely reasons, there's genuine reasons to be optimistic about the Williams camp going forward, and at least they have a potential ace driver in their hands. We don't know exactly how good he is, but we'll get to that in a minute. Hass, there is almost nothing redeeming about this team right now whatsoever. The car is terrible, it's been PR disaster after PR disaster for their team, they're under-resourced, you know they've got their owners one foot out of the door, and even their likable driver is normally a two-year sort of guy where the second exactly. year he seems to really find his foot in, and his rookie years he's tended to struggle a little bit by comparison. He's a bit of a slow learner, yeah. which doesn't exactly help. No. So, but that's
1: that's always been the thing about okay. Mick Schumacher, is that he hasn't always been all talent. he hasn't been like a raw talent the way that Charles Leclerc was. He has been you know, somebody who's had to consistently develop, and he's be, he's a bit more of an industrious driver than a lot of Ferrari dr- no, junior drivers in the
3: past. He's very different. He's very methodical in the way he goes about his work. Uh, they were actually mm. th- the team was talking about the way he conducts himself as a driver, and they like what they see. But as you said, Mick, tu- Mick Schumacher and uh, annoyingly enough, Nikita Mazepin are. Talented enough behind the wheel And this year They are not going to have the tools To show that talent in f1 mm.
2: Yeah, because that, that was think... the point I was about to make Where the gap in talent Between Schumacher and Mazepin Isn't as large as people on social media Would like None. it to be uh, But not.
3: it's not going to matter Because they're going to be at the back of the field anyway Yeah, yeah It doesn't matter how much you beat them Because you're both scoring zero
0: <laughs> Yeah, like it, the know. further down you go down the field, and more and the more irrelevant your car is, the less the head-to-head matchup stat really matters anyway. Because, I mean, you look at it on paper. Nicholas Latifi would have finished above George Russell in the championship if Sakir never happened, and we all know that it tells a different story once we actually dig a little bit deeper into that and watch the eye test. So yeah. it becomes less relevant the further down the grid you go, anyway. Because, on terms of points. Which is the real tiebreaker in the championship, it doesn't really matter. They're both probably gonna it would not surprise me if Haas has a donut for the year. Let's put it to you that way. I, I, I don't no, know I, if that's I necessar- predict that. I,
1: I don't know if that's necessarily the case, though, because if if Mick Schumacher is clearly like the fastest guy, but Mazepin flukes at a point in some race where there's like twelve DNFs and Schumacher doesn't get anybody, that's not definitively saying that Mazapin's a better driver than Schumacher.
3: Well, no, but that's just the point, is yeah. that yeah. The 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 point margins are so small there that any, f- like, Robert Kubica was also... Robert yeah. Kubica scored a point. George Russell didn't until he got in that Mercedes. Yeah. Jimmy Robert Bruni Kubica. didn't score
1: a point at Minardi. Zolt Baumgartner did. Yeah. Which one's still active in motorways? Yeah, that,
3: that's, yeah. that's you know, the same point Drew trying to make. Where it's like, if you're at the back, head-to-head yeah. head matchup doesn't really matter. No, and I think... Uh, not on points. And, and this is... I think it's a little bit less on the merit of the team, but the problem with Haas right now is their model that they came into Formula One with, uh, the, the buy everything you can and then kind of build around it via Dallara and Ferrari's hmm. wind tunnel. That's good to come into the sport. And of course, they came in, they scored points day one. They had a couple of very, very good years. One year that they arguably should have been best of the rest ahead of They were fourth but in the, the championship
1: three. three years ago.
3: Well, they would have been, were it not for um, an unfortunate Australia. Would have property. been. They
1: were. In, they were consistently in that fight. How yes. is it that this the system But the problem is, so is, that
3: that system now it, it doesn't give them any room to correct something if it goes wrong. They lost wind tunnel correlation at the start of 2019, oh, and yeah. they've never got it back. And with their with their current um, car production model, if you get into a hole. There's no way out. There's no fast way out because you're relying on outside parties and Haas is still a very new team. Mm. They
4: don't
3: have the they don't have the methods in place to find a problem, identify it, solve it and then produce the fix. And for the past two years, that has been on full display. They start the year not so great and they just they just fall. And now they're at rock bottom. There's not really much to say beyond that for this year. 2022, we'll just have to wait and see what happens.
1: Mm. And by then,
3: the whole structure
1: of this team could be very different. Gunther Steiner may not be there. Gene Haas may not be there as a principal
3: owner. I am am in the full belief that uh, this is the last year that this is, quote, Haas Formula One team. Wouldn't be too surprised. I think that's Number enough shitting nine. on Haas for a few minutes. So, yeah, we've uh, yeah, we'll
1: we've exceeded the one minute that we wanted to initially talk about Haas uh, <laughs> by, by a mile a stretch. Let's talk about some teams that are actually giving us some optimism for the first time in a couple of years. Williams Racing. The Williams FW43 Bias Bravo Mercedes with George Russell and Nicholas Latifi returning for their second year. Russell, of course... Back for his third season with the team, he led 59 laps, set the fastest lap, and scored his first championship points in secure In a factory Mercedes, stating it for Lewis Hamilton. But he still has an unbeaten 37-0 record while he is at Williams and had back qualifying. Let's see if he returns for his second season. He scored their best finishes of 2020, 11th places at Monza and Imola, and it's of course the 2019 Formula Two uh, runner-up. Russell won that title in 2018. This is the first year under new management of Joss Capito and Simon Simon Richards of Dorothy Capital. And generally, the vibe that I get, Williams don't look as bad as they did the last couple of years. They look
3: um, genuinely better. They look okay. Um, Obviously, being a B-spec car, everything's a B-spec car this year, but Mm. discussion's sake. Um, it's always going to be based on the not-so-great car from last year. Williams is taking a kind of an interesting approach and one that has been kind of thrown around in forums before of why not just build a car that in certain conditions is great and in others sucks? Because if you're all the way that, if you're that far back anyways, if you get lucky in conditions and score a point because your car's working well, they can't take that point away from you after the fact. Unless there's a post-race um, time penalty, but still. Oh no, not uh, those. Um, they looked okay in testing. They did, uh,
1: Kang, What's your What's your initial reactions, feelings, vibes about the brand new Williams? Who I gotta say, the new look for the team pretty divisive, but I like it. It's,
0: it's somebody asked him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it,
3: it's quite generic. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Though, in terms of performance, you know, the chart that everyone's been, you know, retweeting and sharing around is everyone's times compared to their best lap time last year. Uh, uh. And everyone's down on last year except one team, Williams. And it's like, it it, it shows... It doesn't show how good Williams is now. It mainly shows how bad they were last
3: year. It's yeah, they, they have made progress, which wasn't that hard when the bar was in the inner core of the earth.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, Williams are, in fact, improving. But it's not going to be a night and day change from last
3: year. No. no. I, I think that's the big thing uh, with these two teams here, is that these regulations are a dead stick for them. They're going to build a car, get try and get what they can out of this year, and put as much resource and personnel as possible into the 2022 cars. We've seen what regulation changes can do to shake up the field. We saw that very graphically with Williams at the start of the turbo hybrid era. Right. <laughs> um, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if they could reproduce that? Dre,
1: what does George Russell need to do this season if he's going to play himself into a full time ride at some other silver and
0: black and maroon red team? Um, stick stick of banana in Bottas's tailpipe because <laughs> um, there's not sure of because no, there's, there's not an awful lot you can do from the seat he's in, like. No. I said it before, like Sakir was the smoking gun. It was the experiment that a lot of people had wanted to see. And it, he passed that test with flying colors. Um, this Williams What, what car can he do is...
3: to prove beyond no. being in the Mercedes for one race, not fitting in it, and until his uh, pit stop mishap was manhandling Bottas?
0: No, look, look, there's nothing more he can do from his seat, because his seat is crap. Relatively yep. speaking, it's still probably not going to score an awful lot of points, if any, this year. So he's going to be in for a real hard task. It's it's not about what he can do in that car. It's about what does Toto Wolff want to do with Mercedes in the future. And I'm sure we'll get to that when we get to their section. Spoiler alert, it's probably at the deep end of this preview. Just just a hunch. But um, (laughs) there's there's not an awful lot more Russell can do. I mean, unless what he goes and scores points on a semi regular basis, because but people really, really want George to do well. So much so he was getting into Q2 on a semi regular basis last year. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Russell made Q2. And I'm like, dude, he's done it like seven times this year. This is no longer a surprise. Like, like, he's it's just, it's a good one-lap car, and Russell's an excellent qualifier. Like, there's, certain, there's a law of diminishing returns on something like this. But I know a lot of people are, are backing Russell for a top-tier seat, and I completely understand why the hype was real. We saw it in is this that, you know, the kid is incredibly impressive. But he's going to have to sit there and bide his time because there's not an awful lot he can do from there. It's going to come down to what his boss's team ends up wanting to do and how they get on more than anything else. At least that's the imp- impression that I get because I don't think Williams are going to be more than ninth, and if they are, I think it's going to be freak points at best. Because um, again, as, as, as King alluded to, their bar was really goddamn low last year and getting back on pace with Hassan and Alpha would be a reasonable target, let alone points. <laughs> I think...
1: I think they will end the season with both drivers in the points, at least single digits. I'm not going to go crazy and say they're both going to get double digit points totals, score free podium or something like that. Although that would be cool. I just don't want to. I, I, I just don't want to think that Williams can go their first season with a whole new structure and what looks like a genuine plan to turn things around, and think that they're still going to suck as bad as they did last year. And also Nicholas teague is a nice dude for for a for a replacement level pay driver. He is certainly an all right dude as far as that goes.
3: Yeah, I, I think uh, I kind of echo what Ardie. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna score points this year. I think they'll be better than Haas on merit. Um, but then, for both of these teams at the bottom this year isn't the target. Next year has to be the target. And yeah. for George Russell, all he can do is keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. If he if
1: he goes twenty three and zero in qualifying, gets Latifi. That's that's pretty much a, at least a third of the job done. Um, in the last team in this uh, in this small 6 uh, I've omitted a word there. Alpha Romeo Racing, Orlin, the C forty one Ferrari, Kimi Raikkonen, and Antonio Giovinazzi. Kimi Räikkönen's been around forever. He has the most starts of any drive for 332 races, 329 starts, 21 wins, 103 podiums, 46 fast laps, and of course, a world title in 2007. Antonio Giovinazzi has, uh, eight points to his name in a mediocre-to-bad Alfa Romeo, but two interesting stats. Kimi Räikkönen has scored 57 of Alfa Romeo's 65 points since the start of 2019. Antonio Giovinazzi has a head-to-head qualifying record of 500 and also longer hair um, right hair, and this is this team got a lot of attention and testing and i think people called out that what they were doing was low fuel glory runs to get near the top of the board at least see what they could do when the car is turned off all, all the way to the maximum. I don't mm. get the impression that people think that is
3: indicative of Alfa Romeo is gonna to jump to the top of the midfield. No, no, uh nothing to really show evidence of that. Car looked okay. Uh, I believe they tied for most mileage of any it team did. on four hundred and twenty two laps along with uh twenty
0: first for laps. Yeah. Mm. Um Alfa Tari, I think. Alfa
3: Tari. Alfa Tari, right. Um just feels like they it feels like this team has for the last two years uh they're going to score the occasional point uh Kimi Raikkonen is still very good in his even in his old age Antonio Giovinazzi is a he's there <laughs> he, he exists <laughs> he, he certainly is a 2021 Formula One World Championship driver Great help. But the problem for Giovinazzi is once again one that's been brought up here before. If you can't beat a forty-two-year-old Kimi Räikkönen, who Ferrari have already dropped, what use is there to promote you beyond this below mid kind of whatever Salvertine?
0: It seems to me as if. It's, it's, it's weird, because, like, Geo did have one remarkable thing happen to him in 2020. Most positions gained on opening laps. 46 of them! Like, So, was like, so he was excellent off the line and not much else. He's um, very, very
3: good wheel-to-wheel, but in terms mm, of his raw pace, he's just, he's not a Russell or a, so far as we've seen, Sunoda. Yeah, we'll get the, to the, that the,
0: later. The problem is, is that For Alpha, it's a long way up because the next team from them in the championship last year was over a hundred, nearly a hundred points away from them, and that's Alpha Towery. So to get into that group of where the top seven was, where there was a big, big gap last year between seventh and eighth they've got to take significant steps forward. They've got to go from an occasional scorer to a frequent scorer and start taking points out of the midfield teams above them. And they were not doing that on a frequent enough basis. They were beating the team's around them that were also not scoring regularly. So Alfa Romeo has not
1: been that kind of team since the first half of 2019. It has been a downhill slide ever since, and I they, don't necessarily think it's the, all the personnel in place, because Frederick Vasseur, who's going to miss the first race because of a positive COVID test, yeah, well, is rated as one of the best team principals in the paddock. Kimi Raikkonen is a world champion. Antonio Giovinazzi came just a handful of points away from beating Pierre Gasly for a Formula 2 title a,
3: year, a couple of years back.
0: They've never replaced Charles Leclerc. That's the problem. Charles Leclerc was even, a different level as a driving talent. They've not been able to replace no, his presence it's, since.
3: It's odd. It's as, as they've gained more investment from Ferrari in the last... Uh, since 2019, they've actually gone backwards.
0: Hmm. Which is weird because... Which is one weird, and two, I still get the impression they don't completely want to be a Ferrari B team either, because they had a chance to go after their driver academy if they thought the driving talent was the problem in this team, and they elected not to.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, so they're happy with their driver lineup, at least, at least, they, or at least they give off the impression that they're happy with their driver lineup, because they, it never really felt like Räikkönen or Gio was going underwear or 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 felt like they were at risk for their seats, unless you read certain elements of Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. King me Callum! Um, et cetera, there's just, But There's just uh. not
3: much to say about this team. It feels like they're going to be in the the lonely old chasm between the rest of the field and then the two teams behind
0: hmm. them. Yeah, King, what do you reckon?
2: Kings has got nothing for this. <laughs> it feels like they're in a no-man's land, where it's like... Exactly. it's They're not going to get worse, but they're not going to improve. And maybe they're focused on 2022, but it's like, with this lineup, you really think Raikkonen's
3: going to be around for three years? Like... Kimmy Raikkonen is going to keep doing this until he's bored. <laughs> and he's going to keep doing it on
1: rolling one-year deals and not checking with his publicist to see if that West Coast chopper's merchandise is going to be a good look on his face. Oh. Um <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to fall into a narrative like these, these three teams at the back are just going to stay where they are and nothing's going to change or improve. But... <sighs> Unless those, uh, unless those flying laps and testing are an indicator of something better, I just don't see it. And some of the people that were in the paddock for three days of testing seem to think otherwise. Yeah. I hope they can at least bridge the gap a little. I'm yeah. not asking them to get to, sco- to jump like fifth in the championship. I'm just saying, score double digit points. I think
3: Please. I think Vic actually he put it pretty well in our in our supporters chat in the Discord. Every time Salber has a big budget, they go backwards. Every time
1: hmm. I think the it's last time spot. that they weren't like that Were like in like the peak years Of BMW Sauber Like 06 to 08 mm. And then of course that ended badly
3: uh, Real badly
0: Yeah Indeed Should um, we should we get into actual Formula 1 Rather than Formula 1.5 Down below us now let's <laughs> get so That's out Formula 1.97 <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: we're, we're moving out of LMP3 and we're moving into LMP2 with
0: Scuderia Alfatori
1: Honda, the constructors formerly known as Minardi, Alfatori's new ato 2 Honda driven by Pierre Gasly, and the third of our rookies, Yuki Tsunoda. Gasly, of course, last year's Italian Grand Prix winner in the 26 races he's had since moving back to this team in Belgium 2019. He has two podiums, including that win and 15 top 10 finishes is a GP2 champion and a Super Formula Vice champion. Yuki Tsunoda was third in the Formula 2 championship last year with three wins, four feature race polls, three fastest laps, seven podiums, and 13 points paying finishes in 24 races. Uh, and they seem to make a positive
0: impression in testing. Uh,
1: are I'm declaring them...
0: I'm- I'm undecl- declaring them testing champions which is a which is, which is which is a real message as to how irrelevant testing actually is in the grand scheme of things but hey Dude, I don't, even, I don't even know if they're
1: the highest I don't even know if they're the second high, uh, they're, they're the highest ranked team owned by Red Bull in the testing championship
3: <laughs> look they yeah, um, pound for pound they had a good test uh, first of all Yuki Tsunoda Kid looks good in an F1 car um, don't read too much gonna... into the testing times, because, uh, well, he was opening the DRS a little enthusiastically early.
1: I'm just saying, but, uh... um, <laughs> I, I know it's not going to happen this year. I don't expect another Italian Grand Prix like we had last year. Mm. But I get the feeling that Yuki Tsunoda is going to be his country's first Grand Prix winner and first world champion at the rate that he's developing.
3: Yeah, Yuki is... uh Bold. Mm. I, I honestly I agree with RJ. I think Yuki's been phenomenal. Uh, it's been phenomenal to watch his rise. AlphaTauri looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, probably along with the Aston Martin, probably the most changed car on the year. Um, new nose, new front suspension. Uh, a little bit more of a Red Bull clone than it was last year, and they led mileage. Uh, out of all the teams, jointly with Alpha Romeo, the Battle of the Alphas.
0: Sorry to cut you there, Cam. For a second, are we drinking? Like King, let me Are we like because me and King just looked like glum as you we were talking <laughs> about the, the future of Yuki. We were sitting there going, "Really?" Um, and I was like, yeah. I,
1: was, uh, "I was about to jump to this. Like, how <laughs> big of a year is this for Pierre? Because you kind of get the feeling like he's been embedded in this team." for a long time, and he's made it work. He is a Grand Prix winner now. Well, maybe not Nobody this specific
3: have... team for a long time. Yeah, yeah,
1: but what is Peter Gasly's future? Is he going to be a franchise driver for Alpatori, or is he going to be on the move somewhere else?
2: I, I don't know. Mm. We're still, like, it, it depends on what happens down the line in terms of like, Red Bull on the, in the pipeline only have like what Yuri Vips, so it's not like they're not really mm. in a rush to replace anyone at, at
3: AlphaTauri. Um, they're not in a rush, but I'm I thinking think that, more along the line. I think the that's lo- the good thing is that uh, Yuki doesn't necessarily have to be looking over his shoulders all the time, wondering when's Helmet Marco gonna yeah. drop the axe on yeah, me. He
1: doesn't have to. He doesn't have to start matching Gasly out of the box. He, is, he has said he is perfectly content to follow Pierre Gasly's lead, and that's awesome because Pierre Gasly is an effective lead driver at this team. I think really the only thing you would be concerned about about Pierre Gasly this season is whether or not an off-season COVID test uh, is going to affect Yikes. him at the wheel.
2: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say AlphaTauri is like one of those teams where I really have to wait until the racing to actually see where they are relative to. Mm. To their competitors, because the team might gel well together, but we don't really know how
3: fast they are until they actually start racing. Well, the problem is that we can say that for every team up until our final two teams, because this field has seems to have it seems to have condensed even more.
0: I was going to make the point over here, like one. I think a lot of people have been drinking the Yuki low fuel vanity run Kool Aid that we got towards the end of testing and thought, "Ooh, that oh, kid's I'm fast." Not even, yeah. I'm not
3: even. I'm not even looking at his fast lap. I'm looking at the the runs he was doing in the first two days before that uh, that DRS attenuated final lap.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm looking at it going. Yeah, I'm with King. I f- still think they're probably going to be on the lower end of the midfield because that's normally where AlphaTauri end up progressing towards yeah. in the end anyway. What?
4: Yeah.
0: But, but the driver lineup is genuinely interesting because, I mean, RJ alluded to the fact that Pierre Gasly is the lead driver of AlphaTauri. Do you really want to be the lead driver <laughs> of the no. junior team? Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's the a, thing like, I'm thinking of. That, that's, not, is- that's not the blessing you may think it is. Like... The well, other cause... reason
3: why I'm looking at it as well is that, and we'll get to this later with uh, the other energy drink team. This, Hon- this Honda power unit that was supposed to be implemented for 2022 was brought forward for this year. It's good. It's damn good. It's good. Hot, it's, hot it hot was bomb-proof in testing. For
1: all the best stuff at it. One last run. Um yeah. I- I don't think they're going to win. I would love to see them get a couple of podiums. I think they're going to be pretty evenly matched. I wouldn't be surprised if Gasly is the better performer. And you know what? It's fine like that. Sunot yeah. under no pressure to perform immediately right out of the box out of his rookie year. Though it would be cool. I, I
0: disagree. I disagree because Sergio Perez is only on a one-year contract.
1: I don't think... Do you think Pierre Gasly is going to get the call back up? No, no. No,
3: absolutely not. I Heldon think I think Sonoda's
0: got a golden ticket to a Red Bull seat if he's outstanding in his rookie year. Does he
3: want that smoke though?
0: I don't think he does as as bad as he thinks he does. But you'd be a fool to turn that opportunity down. But I think Fair enough. I think Sonoda's got a golden ticket to a Red Bull seat if he's good in, out of the box. So I think he might be under more pressure than you think, RJ. Seriously. <sighs> I, uh, I, don't think, I I don't think I don't think they're going to go back and retread old ground with Gasly for the second time. What's the yeah, point? But but again,
2: yeah. is that really pressure though? It's like, oh, that it's would like have, that you, would also involve you, ditching you, Perez. Yeah, it's like you might get promoted. Oh my god, I'm under so
3: much pressure. <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: know. It's if, like
3: if the guy who's been one of the perennial best midfielders in F1 completely shits the bed this year, you might get a promotion. and I think the pressure is kind of in the middle.
0: I, I, I'm i not sure on that one because it's like, the problem for Sonoda is he's got a genuinely really good teammate alongside him who's done excellent work in that car before and after the Red Bull stints that, that he had yeah. that damage so much of his reputation. That's going to be the problem for Sonoda is that like Pierre Gasly, relatively speaking, is a roadblock in the context of that team. But I think, so. I, that if, if, if you want one big, bold, hot take prediction for the end of the year, it might be that they announce a Yuki Tsunoda promotion before the end of the year. Um, then that might be about as bold as I get, because I that, hate bold predictions normally. But that, um, um, I, I, I've
1: got to say, though, uh, do you think Pierre Gasly's going anywhere after the end of this year? Mm,
4: no.
3: <laughs> the, the problem with F1 right now is that everyone's so set in their own academies that unless you blow up all of your talent and have to look somewhere else, like Red Bull did, um, everyone's kind of just locked into their own... their own hierarchy within their uh, respective aligned manufacturers yeah. and teams. Because, yeah, like, uh, looking no at, like, looking at Pierre's future, like,
2: next season, like, next couple of years, he'll be at AlfaTori. Maybe mm-hmm. 2023, he may be Moves over to Alpine to replace Alonso, who will be out of contract and probably retire at that point. Or he'll go to sports cars. Like, that's the most realistic path for Pierre Gasperin. Segway! <laughs> uh,
1: King, King. do you want to read this next team? I, I feel like I, I feel like you as the expert of all things French, uh, should be
2: this, cause yes. I, I don't know if I want to touch this. The next team on our list... In their first season under under this name, the Alpine Formula One team running the Alpine A521, uh, <laughs> powered by the same old Renault, their two-driver lineup is a returning Fernando Alonso, Again, hailing from Spain, age 40. Two-time Formula One world champion, even though it was a while ago, 2005 and 2006.
4: He has 32 <laughs> race Bitcoin wins. Before Bitcoin
2: was invented.
4: <laughs> he has 32
2: race wins, 97 podiums, over a course of... 314 races so far And of course he is the 2018-2019 World Endurance Drivers Champion Alongside him will be the 25 year old Frenchman Esteban Ocon uh, His best record Finish was second In Secure at the end of last year uh, He has 38 top 10 finishes since 2017 and of course is The 2015 GP3 Champion Feel the hype,
0: King. Feel the hype, Can you Feel the blue man. running through feel your the, veins. Feel the, the, the world
3: <laughs> thickest airbox. Oh, Ooh. that ass is... That, that
0: airbox ass is so thick. It did not skip its trapeze this day. <laughs> oh, boy.
2: I might do the rest of the
0: podcast like this. Um, <laughs> yes, but yes.
2: Alpine is out here saying that airboxes are so 19... Like, side pods are so 1973. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They're it yeah, uh, back that's... to, like, the
1: teapot cars of
3: the late 70s. Oh, God. Yeah, um, that's the reason why the Renault's uh, airbox is so dummy thick with 38 Cs. Uh, they moved all of the radiators, as much of the cooling components as they could, up in the car so they could shrink the side pods. And uh car looked okay in testing. Damn. This is actually their third year on this tub because they, they carried over their tub. From 2019 to 2020. So Mm. this, uh, it's an old girl. But they were solid last year. They've now thrown Fernando Alonso into the mix. I have no idea how that's going to turn out. It could either turn out really good or really bad. This is Fernando Alonso we're talking about.
2: Well, even Alonso himself is admitted this is a multi-year project don't expect anything from the first
3: year he's
2: well, already yeah. thinking to 20 20- everybody 20-
3: <laughs> yeah this That's is another given. year where really it's it's very much in term for this team um car was reliable enough in testing car looked good enough in testing I'd see them maybe moving forward a little bit but overall kind of holding station from where they were last year
0: I mean, That way I look at it, this team is just like like if there was an award for like you know how Zero Punctuation does his games of the year and there's a bland list in the middle. This is like the smack dab blandest team right here. It'll be re- It'll be Alpine livery champions for the year because I love the metallic blue. <laughs> yes. But, um, oh. but I. There's one element of this that, I, that, I, that I, I don't think enough people have talked about this. Losing Daniel Ricciardo was a big blow for this team. Ricciardo was outstanding last year. Like He was the was driver was- of the year candidate. He was a driver he that no one talked about. Everyone was talking about Pacheco and Gasly, and obviously Hamilton for obvious reasons. No one mentioned how good Daniel Ricciardo was, which I thought was which I thought was baffling to me because I thought he was outstanding. Esteban Ocon
3: day. walked into that team,
0: had been smoked. rated
3: rated <laughs> very highly by everyone not named Max Verstappen, and he got
0: curb stomped. He got he got, he got smacked around by Daniel Ricciardo. Don't get me wrong. Daniel Ricciardo is a, I've said it before, a borderline top three driver in the world right now in, in terms of Absolutely. the current paddock. Um, and Renault had a gift having him in the seat for two years. In fact, there was a clip of Drive to Survive that may or may not have leaked out today where he actually spoke about leaving the team. And he looked at McLaren and he thought, that team's made gains. I'm going to go to McLaren, basically, and he he basically admitted that he'd already been in talks with Zach Brown from as early as about halfway through last season. Um, so, like, there was already rumblings that Ricardo already had one foot out of the door, like before 2020 had even started, like 2019. We're talking about. So, despite that, Ricardo they, they did a blew pretty- all that
3: money. They blew all that yeah. money for Ricardo to look over across. To the McLaren Technology Center and think I want you some of that.
0: It's it's the bloke looking at the two women meme on Twitter. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. McLaren and hes like disgust from behind. It's 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 terrible. No, look, losing Ricardo is a massive blow to this team. Fernando is a wild card at this point. We don't know what he's going to do. He's like as King alluded to. The fact he's already talking down his estimates is not a good sign. As far as I'm what concerned, what were you
3: expecting? It's Fernando Alonso.
0: The other Everyone way around. Everyone should man. have known this. Because Fernando Alonso's ego normally suffocates the air out of any room he's sitting in. He normally talks up, not down. The, like I think, s-
3: I think they're going to be okay, and that's what I'm going to give them. But I think the weakest part of this team is now gone. Cyril is out of there.
2: He got Cyril the They've
3: <laughs> restructured and we the know- whole
1: management of the team, which is yeah. pretty much... All that they need to do, because now I get to inject my thoughts about the team for which one of my favorite drivers of all time now races for. I am under no illusions that Fernando Alonso is going to win any races with Alpine this year. I'm not even sure if he's going to sneak in a shock podium in some wet weather race where like 15
3: cars blow up or something. I know better than to get that. I think, I think they could. I think they could snag the odd podium. That's all I'm going to give them. Yeah,
1: Alpine could snag that on podium, and I think Esteban Ocon's going to be the guy that gets most of them.
2: Though I, because, I think I think we also should mention Fernando Alonso is going to be racing this entire season with a metal plate in his jaw. Yeah, he got clipped on his way to to the supermarket riding his bike. That was scary. That was not was good.
0: scary. Uh, the immediate Nikki Hayden flashbacks that I got was not nice. So I'm very glad that he is. Relatively speaking, okay. Because I know broken jaws are not fun at all. That sucks. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a nasty injury. But um, yeah, that's going to be a factor in all this as well. And I, I, I've got to mention as well, from drive, like RJ alluded to the fact, big reshuffle. Lauren Rossi's now CEO. I think Marcin Budkowski's in there now. Davide Brivio was the big high-profile move over as well from Suzuki's MotoGP uh, championship winning team from last year um and he's going to be there in a, in a management role as well. I'm a bit worried about Esteban Ocon as well because and don't get me wrong this is not all Ocon's fault. I feel a little bit bad for him because he's had nothing but quality teammates his entire career and he peaked in his rookie season. It's like his rookie season was outstanding and then the stock's say, slowly uh, gone down year on he year. He spent his entire <laughs> he spent his whole second
3: season having a fist fight with Perez.
0: Yeah, and then he came back. Well, we came we back kind into of a... forget
1: that, like in mm. his second year at Force India. Now, now some other team, mm. Esteban Ocon was outperforming Perez in everything but the score sheets. Yeah,
0: we kind indeed, of forget
1: yeah. that conveniently because of how badly things went after a year out of like competitive driving, and that's going to be the thing that worries me. If if Alpine does well and Alonso isn't carrying the team, well then Alpine has just spent all this money to bring back a two-time world champion for the third tenure at this organization out of Enstone for nothing. And if Alonso is bar- is leading that success, it's going to be an indictment against Esteban Ocon and it's going to be the second time that Alonso has buried a promising young talent for the mid for that mid 2010th generation.
3: There's no situation yeah. where both of those teammates come out of this looking great.
4: I hate it no. so much! But it's I mean,
2: brutal. really,
3: like, Fernando's for 40. Like, what's... He's got enough to
0: That's part of the problem. <laughs> like, <I know>. <laughs> no, because <laughs> like, then, then
3: if Ocon beats him, people are just going to say, oh, well, Alonzo's an old man.
4: Yeah, but that, the old man year, shouldn't be beating you that, then, I should think, he? <laughs> I
3: think Dre put it well. That year against Ricardo really damaged his stock. I think it's more
1: race rust down to anything. I think O'Connor's going to pick it. it but of you can't so ba- race
0: rust like 10 races th- into the season. This is a spoiler alert into my Alpine script that's going to be out tomorrow, but it's not a good sign when the guy you replaced had more stock than you halfway through last season because Hulkenberg genuinely had two outstanding filling jobs at, 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 at the artists well, formerly known it's, it's as Racing Point. It's fucking
3: ridiculous that they replaced <laughs> Hulkenberg in the first place.
0: Right, but they wanted to, they wanted to keep the stockholders happy after having to sack fifteen thousand people. Like, like this well, is maybe do, Carlos Ghosn shouldn't
3: have done crimes.
0: And- <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to Carlos crime. To- it always does. It always goes back to Carlos Go and do crime. And, and, and
2: maybe, maybe Hulkenberg shouldn't have demanded to be paid the same salary as the highest paid employee
0: in the company why did they <laughs> give Ricardo so much goddamn money? Can you blame Holkenberg for asking when <laughs> the other guy was brought in on like four times the salary the average midfielder gets? Like, t- maybe five or six times more. Like, Ricardo was on 20 million a year when he was at Renault. I mean, I can't blame Holkenberg for thinking. I'm 30 years old. I need to secure this back. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ricardo's 30. And he just got just a two for 40 back. million pound contract. So, no, like, it, it's that I think there's an awful lot of ways this could go wrong for Alpine, and there's not very many ways it can go right. Okay. Like, just the they, they, already,
2: was... they already botched the last five year we plan. What's the next five year we plan? <laughs> <laughs> like...
3: Yeah. Um, it. They, they, pro- well, they promised uh, I race think, wins a year ago. I, I, I think it's named Ural Cali Renault Haas F1 team.
0: <laughs> oh, don't. Don't you
1: put that evil on me, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, hey. Hello?
3: Wada can't stop
2: this. France and Russia have the same national colors.
3: If you turn the flag the other way, change the shades a little bit, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't if next you don't team stop on the list because I'm tired of talking right now, about the bucket. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about the blue paint. Let's move on.
1: If you don't stop this right now, I'm going to talk about Scuderia Ferrari Mission Winnow, and you are going Just to like so... it. They have Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. The Chuck and Chuck Show. Uh, Leclerc <laughs> for, eighth last year standings. Sainz was six in 2020. Just terrible. Leclerc. And, uh, both of them at two podiums apiece with their respective plucky, under fighting, scrappy midfield teams, <laughs> which is where I'm classifying Ferrari now. Um, oh. Leclerc has a Formula 2 title. Science has a Formula Renault 3.5 title. They're both excellent drivers who share about eight common brain cells. Um, and <laughs> added a touch of highlighter green, which does not contrast well with the look of the car at all. But really, I think we're all just, we're all, we'd take it if the car was like not shit for a change. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, I car... have to
3: say in testing that Ferrari <sighs> SF21 certainly was a 2021 Formula One World Championship car.
0: Uh, the car, um, like, it wet itself and then its power unit let go on day one uh, yeah, before the... lunch.
3: Okay. <sighs> Fair enough to Ferrari. I mentioned the two cars earlier that changed. The Ferrari this year is maybe the first time in a couple of years the Ferrari actually looks contemporary. Yeah. Because <laughs> last year, like the presentation happened. I'm just like, is that it? <laughs> I mean, it's got Viking horns, but like, is that it?
0: And Cam's the proper car nut who looks at parts on these cars. I just go, not sure about the color.
4: Um, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, looking at the levels. car this
3: year looked uh, looked like a ferrari that's about all i'll say about <laughs> it. um this is car- what you're paying for year, patreon
0: backers it looks year, like a ferrari. last year when
3: <laughs> last year when vettel spun at turn 11 in bahrain we were in genuine disbelief that ferrari could have produced a car that could lose the rear at that corner Day one, Carlos Sainz spins in the same way.
4: Yeah, that was another
3: storyline that I
1: read up on, is that Carlos Sainz has taken a while to, shall we say, acclimate to the idiosyncrasies of this Ferrari SF21.
3: Well, by all accounts, Carlos Sainz has a little bit of a similar situation with Sebastian, where he needs the rear of the car, not so much to be so strong that it is inducing understeer, but merely work.
0: that, that, That would be nice.
3: I mean, a lot of this Ferrari looks like slight slight revisions to last year. A lot of it looks like follow what others are doing. And in the center of it is a power unit that by all accounts has gained plenty of horsepower and is still significantly behind everyone else because Formula One is an open development war. If you lose as much horsepower as Ferrari did with the closing of the loopholes in 2019, you're not getting that back until your next... Big regulation change,
0: and even potentially having the best driver pairing in the sport, potentially for for raw talent. As I think, it's at least in even, the top three. It, uh, what what yeah. the ability or bootlicking? Um, yes, <clears throat> uh, yeah. And Leclerc
3: Leclerc said the car felt okay. That it was a good base, uh, but I mean, I get the impression we're going to see another year of two phenomenal. Phenomenally talented, very bootlicking drivers again, stuck again, in I, I the middle that... of a stuck in the middle of the field because Ferrari is spending all this money to do nothing. You
2: yeah. it's gonna be a very interesting season for the Chuck and Chuck or Chad and Chad show. Uh...
3: <laughs> the Chad and Chad show works better considering <laughs> their two personalities. Oh yeah,
2: big Chad energy like. <laughs> I, I think people are going to be like, "Oh, is Ferrari going to get a race win this year?" No, it's we're going to be. There's I season- got mocked <laughs>
3: relentlessly last the same time last year. I said Ferrari isn't winning a race after preseason. You, you, and, you and you and <laughs> you all told he, me I was out of my mind. He, he never. I don't care if I'm ever. off script. I don't <laughs> care if I'm way off script. You he know never what I bet this. You know what I bet this year. Please, that say, that please Ferrari... don't
4: say
3: no podium. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I'm not going that far. Because <laughs> I, I Charles you. Leclerc. Charles Leclerc is just that good that he could pull a podium out of his ass somewhere. No. He did that What's twice on? this past season. I bet that Ferrari will go winless. Or I have to sit my own ass down in front of my 4K TV and willingly watch Driven. Oh. oh no. Oh god. You know what? I- I'll take you up on <laughs> oh. that cuz I cuz you know what I think? I think No, Charles I already Claire bet this. I bet win a race. I bet this in a Jimmy Broadbent Discord. This is already in writing. They got my ass in 4K. How, oh
0: how do you still have hair on your head after that? How is it not at least gray? Uh, like
2: for for the sake of everyone on our Discord server, I hope that Ferrari does not want a race cuz I do not want to watch driven again.
0: <laughs> Cam, what the fuck have you done? <sighs> if you, hey, have I, you dragged of, this into hell None here? of you were
3: involved. This is a personal <laughs> bet. Um, yeah, Charles Leclerc is going to be great. Not get anywhere near a win. Carlos signs. I have no idea. Ch- Mattia Bonotto's already basically said he's a seat warmer for Mick. Which uh, will certainly go well when... Uh, ooh, If Carlos somehow ends up toppling Leclerc in that team... Which yeah, one of them cause... are they paying to not come to work so they can get Mick in that seat?
0: because <laughs> yeah, like...
1: that's the thing people like to conveniently forget is that Charles, Carl Sainz Jr., at most stops in his career, has been a perennial Driver of the Year candidate on his town alone. He's been one of the few people that's been able to match Mats Verstappen in similar equipment. Yep. But he's
3: a seat
2: warmer at Ferrari.
3: Yeah, you'd be like, "Hey," yeah, and the team principal has already said as much.
2: Yeah, it's like, "Hey, Carlos, you're gonna really enjoy your promotion to our hypercar team." Uh. It's, it's, like he, it's like he never left the Red Bull Academy.
1: I said it before. It's like him and Matt Verstappen are a lot alike for both good and bad reasons, and now it feels like he never left Red Bull in the first place. I think Chuck wi- will win a race. I think Charles will win a race. Which? Ch- which? Okay. I think Charles and okay. is going to win a race, and if he doesn't, you I'll watch driven. I'll oh, watch
4: driven. No.
3: <laughs> RJ, RJ, oh. you are you are not a clown, nor are you the entire circus. Oh. You right now are the very concept of comedy.
0: Why? Oh. This hurts me. It hurts me in 4K. It hurts me in 4K to see such ardent masochism go on in render this discourse. This, render
3: this video in 4K. <laughs> I can't. You better, up, you better upscale it to like 240 it's, FPS,
0: 1080p. I need the t- I need the 20 second clip in 1080p of RJ saying on the record that he will watch driven willingly by choice if Charles of Chad wins a race. It's, it's Charles LeChat. <laughs> Look, at the
1: end of the day, we we all just want to watch a good romantic comedy, and that's what I feel like driven is.
4: No, <laughs> no,
1: but it is
3: what Ferrari is, and uh, just for good, just for good measure, in the off season they had further technical shakeups because what you really want when your team is just up a creek without a paddle is zero stability. Mattia Benotto, please retire.
4: <laughs> well, I hey, uh, think that's
3: I think that's enough. Um, Dre, the floor is yours. Get the baby oil, get the uh, British Racing Green, and get the Strawberry um, Starburst.
0: I have my moisturizer Martin's here, back. ready to go. It's like I'm gonna get my cricket style war paint. Um, let's uh, let let's go, boys. <laughs> 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 <Save laughs> <me. laughs> It's time (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the uh, The the main event of the evening It's the Aston Martin Cognizant Formula 1 team Brought to you by your host Dre Harrison Sadly Daniel Craig was not available um, To launch this part of the chat Although he was there for the car launch Which was nice to get a whole 15 seconds in While he's locked in a (laughs) (laughs) room Um uh, we're, we're, to we're gonna dry. have to uh <laughs> yeah, you you what
3: is fantastic there, Dre, your internet cut out. Yep.
0: Yeah <laughs> uh, fortunately this moisturizer is still on my face. So. Um We we might, we might have to actually keep that in because apparently the timing was so perfect half the Discord just laughed itself to death. So um
2: I I'll read out the team facts. <laughs> I
3: think I got this. Uh, a, a, an objective insist, voice here. An
2: objective <laughs> person will get through this. Okay. How? So. Uh, what do you
0: mean? I'm not objective. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so. Okay. Yes. Fine. I'll do it. Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team. Aston Martin AMR21 Mercedes. The first driver, a new signing, and one you know so well, Sebastian Vettel of Germany, age 34. Four-time Formula One World Drivers' Champion, 53 wins, 121 podiums, 57 poles, 38 fastest laps, 3,018 points, and the Vice Champion of 2017-2018 to 2018 during his six-year terrible, no-good, very bad tenure at Ferrari. And in the other corner, Lance Outside. Stroll. Lance Stroll of Canada, age 23. Coming off a much-improved year where he scored his first pole position in Turkey 2020, a pair of podiums at Italy and Sakhir to add to his podium at Baku 2017, and is, of course, the 2016 FIA European F3 champion.
0: We here on the first t- one on Podcast are a totally impartial network. Um- <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, we I got, really a, question got, ass I got a question for y'all.
1: I, mm-hmm. I got a very important question. How, how how are your hype levels feeling after a three-day test filled with all sorts of mechanical issues?
3: Literally, yes, literally we are in the inner core of the earth at the very center, so we are equidistantly low to every other point on Earth. Full. <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah, you, went, you didn't see that coming, did you? Um in no, all seriousness. Uh, didn't, go, didn't go so good. Um in, in all seriousness. <laughs> I said it to Hazel on Twitter last week. I have a bad feeling this team is going to be the victim of its own hype because people are very, very excited about this team. And look, I get it. Aston Martin is a sexy brand. So, of course, people are going to be all about the green, all about the Aston Martin marquee, you know, all of the big name stuff that comes with it. You brought in Sebastian Vettel. He's seemingly genuinely happy to be there. We don't know how much of that is just PR fluff and how much of that is just genuine delight to be no longer driving for Ferrari. Um, it's it's a sliding scale. So, Dre... The thing is, is that... Dre, yeah. let, let's take it yeah.
2: back here. Forget about sure. social media. Forget about that hype for a bit. Yeah, talk to me. They have laid down actual foundations to improve as a team. They're, they have. They're their factory is 10 times larger than it was 2 years ago the mm-hmm. size of their team is exponentially larger than it was 2 years ago they have right. far more resources than they've ever had as racing point or force india
0: and i this... bet you they still get beaten by mclaren
2: <laughs>
0: no no, no, the yes. that, no the thing is that the thing is right and like, it, it, it's what worries me a little bit right what worries me a little bit is, is that, one, I'm still not sure about Lance Stroll, and I'll get to him in a minute, right? The, the second thing is, is that, one, McLaren are also another team that's on the up, which we'll get to next. Um, and there's no guarantee Vell is going to be the team that we want him to be in this team. And it worries me a little bit because there's not a lot of scope for improvement right away because their target is going to be obvious. Finish third, like beat McLaren. Because no one's expecting them to go, oh yeah, we're going to take on Red Bull and Mercedes straight out of the box. No, no one's expecting that, right? And the problem as well is that McLaren is now sharing their power unit. So any gains they had on engine power are now gone. Um, So that could also be a problem going forward. Like there are still a fair amount of question marks regarding this team. And testing did not help. Um, I know testing is always... Well, unfortunately
3: for them, all of their testing woes were a product of that very power unit manufacturer. Which were also shared with that power unit manufacturer's team. More on them later. Mm. Um, I tend to get the impression that while this car has plenty of potential, Mm. I don't think they've unlocked it yet. I think Sebastian Vettel really needed some testing mileage because we know he maybe is a little bit slower to adapt to a certain car than another driver might be. Mm -hmm. And he only got, I think, 117 laps over the three days with constant gearbox and turbocharger problems. At the same time, this this is really the only year that this team is going to be like this they're the only team with an all new monocoque this year. God is in fact the pink Mercedes or indeed the green Mercedes. They've developed this car into what is very much its own beast.
4: Yeah, I, mean, I uh, was about to make a point like, like back.
3: If you watch F1 Tech Talk with
1: Sam Collins, a friend of the show, um mm-hmm. he said that this was like of of the very few of the cars that like... Because a lot of these are just B-spec cars because we know we're getting a whole new set of... This is like one of the most new cars that's out there.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not and just it, a copy-paste from the Mercedes from a year before. And when the car was working, well it little was, people seemed to get a very good impression of the car when it was running at speed.
3: Yeah. And I also think that this year's regulations regarding the floor... And how some teams approach their car concept. Maybe worse for Aston Martin this year. But after this, and we'll get to that in more detail with Mercedes. That's a, no longer a factor next year. For 2022, everything resets. Yeah.
1: I I would love to see Vettel find his winning ways again with a team that... Well, the last time the Aston Martin name was in Formula 1... Apart from just being a sticker on a Red Bull, it didn't go that hot. But
3: that was like no, it pre-F1 can only television. It can only go better than it did. With the Ideal last situation. Aston Vettel the
1: finds guard. his winning ways again because we know this team did win a race last year under a whole different identity. And I would love to see Stroll achieve his potential because I feel like he does have potential. It's just he's got to shake off that that you know that label that he's had with him. Fairly and unfairly since he broke in I personally I, that, felt for a long Long time that he's much better than that Label has uh, has Been bestowed
3: upon him I, so I, no matter, he's he's got It's one of the more aggravating Labels for me because look You don't get pull Around a track That uh, was in A catastrophic state
2: no.
3: I would say Without is the best way to put Yeah at Turkey last year It was laughable how bad The track conditions were you don't get pole, and then dominate that race until a aerodynamic failure robs you of a potential win. If you don't, if you're not made of the right stuff. And last year, more often, really, until Perez hit that unbelievable stride late in the year, he was matching Perez blow for blow.
4: The Problem and is, arguably, I believe,
3: did
1: did not didn't Stroll also have a positive COVID test? And when he did. That happened to him until, like, late in the season. He just
3: Yeah,
0: he, it happened he caught, there. Co- he caught COVID in Germany and then didn't score a point for five rounds.
3: Yeah, and not all of that was his fault. He had the mother of all crashes when he lost a tire, I believe, in Mijello. Yeah. So mm. I think Stroll was better last year than his end tally showed.
0: Yes, that's fair. No, look, I was going to say, like, the issue I have is that this is year five for Lance Stroll, and he's already had a much bigger leash than most dudes around his level get in Formula 1, as it is. Oh, yeah. It kind of helps reason- when your
3: dad owns the team.
0: Yeah, they not get me wrong. Also- we all know the reasons why. And look, that's not his fault. Like, your dad wanted to see you do well in the sport, and, you know, he just so happens to own the team you drive for. Yeah. Uh, but, you so know, win-win. it helps, but... But, you know, it's hard to talk about him in that context because you know there's not anywhere near as much consequence regarding his seat compared to most people because you feel like, well, Lawrence isn't going to drop his own son now, is he? Um, so, again, that would be a level of, uh, of anti-nepotism really that I think I'd ever, year, never see, but, you know.
3: When I, when I look at Lance, I think his only truly weak year was 2019 where he just got, he just got demolished. In qualifying, uh, by Perez. last yeah by Perez, but also consider in 2018. I don't think you could fuse Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton together and get any more points out of that fucking Williams.
0: No, it was bad.
3: Uh, so uh, I think in on the current sample size of him being in just a comfortable situation with the team. He's only gotten better over the last two years, and I hope that continues. For Vettel, dare I say it, I think he could grab a couple podiums this year if this car is in the midfield fight. And it suits him, and by all accounts, uh, Otmar Safnauer has made it a point. They want to do everything they can to work with Sebastian to get the best from him, and for him to get the best from the team. And that has been what Vettel's been asking for since he walked out of Red Bull, walked into Ferrari, and got told to shut up and drive. Mm. We'll just have to see how that one plays out. Unfortunately, I
0: mean, I mentioned it in my in my preview video. They were saying all the right things, and again, I don't know how much of that is just, is just PR fluff talk. But the, if, like I said, if they're giving Vettel the keys to the castle, then that's when he's at his absolute best, yeah. Um, yeah. and. That's that's going to be the question mark. If time goes on, if Stroll gets hot early, who knows what could happen Uh, uh, is is the whispers about how good Velo is as a driver still going to be there because he came off two bad ears at Ferrari, not entirely on him, but this this is like the last two years was was what a lot of people who have not been Velo fans for years have said was vindication like, yeah, what
3: like they yeah, yeah, a, cer- to a certain someone who writes only hot take pieces for a certain car blog, like how <clears> uh, we should repave Sabring, and how <clears> Sebastian <throat> Vettel appears to have forgotten how to drive fast.
0: I'm not going to go into that, otherwise my head will explode. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to, but I think, or I think Aston Martin fancy to lay off the jungle juice just a little bit there um, and calm down, although shout out to Sasha in the Discord, it just went good C-ring suspension impression there, Dre thanks, thanks Sasha (laughs) boing, (laughs) boing,
3: boing, boing
0: Sweet sweet, talk about Papaya?
1: let's talk about McLaren, McLaren F1 team McLaren Mercedes is back a historic partnership that lasted four times as long as the other one that people went crazy about because that's the one Senna drove for Anyway, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo are going to make a fine team. Lando Norris uh, got his first podium in his first fastest lap to kick off the year in Austria. Finished ninth in the standings. Daniel Ricciardo, as we mentioned, got Renault their first and second Formula One podium since their return as a manufacturer before reverting to Alpine. Ricciardo, of course, has a longer career with seven wins, 31 podiums, 15 fast laps, and three pole positions. Norris uh, is, of course, the... 2018 Formula 2 runner-up, and the 2017 European Formula 3 champion. And boy, people are running high with enthusiasm about the blue and orange this
3: season. This is the first time in a very long time, I said this a few days ago in another Discord, this is the first time that McLaren has looked like McLaren in a very long time that they te- they seem like a team that isn't just content to rebuild as they were the last two years hmm. they they want it all the rebuilding and phase they, is over yeah the rebuilding phase at least in, under these regulations is over this is what they've got they've gained mercedes power they've produced a very tidy innovative in some areas car that This is the first time in a few years where I can look at the McLaren and say, that's an interesting car. They've got something no one else has. They've got a phenomenal driver lineup. Andreas Seidel is a miracle worker. I know it from experience with the Porsche LMP1 program. The vibe around this team is very good. It's
1: very good. And King, your boy Daniel Ricciardo has signed a big multi-year deal which you kind of feel like this may be his last shot to win a long elusive world championship that he didn't get a Red Bull and he certainly didn't get it at Endstone.
2: Yeah, this is certainly the Ricardo Hail Mary play. He knows that if, if he doesn't win a championship in the next three or four years, it's probably never going to happen. And it's... McLaren are certainly in a position to improve. They're definitely... You know, to use some basketball terms, they're in win now mode. Uh, but it's we're gonna have to wait a little while to see where they are in relations to the two teams
3: we've yet to talk about so far. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think they're in a position to challenge for wins yet. But considering where they were in 2018, where they were, let's be real honest with ourselves, the laughingstocks of Formula One after. Ditching Honda, screaming from the rooftops about having the best chassis, and then fighting with Williams for the second half of 2018. Yeah. Those things um, are long gone. Th- th- this feels like a completely different team. Uh, and, Mer- you know, switching engine manufacturers, usually pretty tough task in testing mm-hmm. that car ran like clockwork. Ran great. Ran say. better than the factory team.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like I'm in the same camp as as King here with cautious trepidation. This is a McLaren. All of this from McLaren screams win now. You've hired a 32 year old borderline elite driver. Don't get me wrong, Ricardo is an outstanding talent, um, but Ricardo's going into this knowing this is his last chance because he signed a three year deal, so he's pretty much signed away the rest of his prime years to this mm-hmm. team. Let's not forget McLaren a year ago were not in the best of shape financially. They cut a lot of people to keep the doors open. They take a big old loan out from Bahrain. They've now sold off a third of their team uh, to raise more money. This had better work out because if they are still in this position in three years' time, we're going to look back on this team and go, for all the resources you generated and for a lot of the stuff you've sold off, what have you got to show for it? Because, like this, these are all big, big short-term plays, and yeah. we all sit here knowing it's a big well, gap these, to the big two. These are the uh.
3: these are the short-term plays, the ones that we can see right now. We have to also remember, McLaren's building an all-new wind tunnel, which is yeah. yet to be completed. McLaren's long-term play is lurking in the background under for the new regulations next year. This year, again, a bit of an interim year, but it, I wouldn't put it past McLaren that at some the sky has fallen race, McLaren claims their first win since 2012. Yeah, I, I would not I, put I'm it past them, especially I'm in the same Daniel Ricciardo's hands. Yeah,
2: like kind of a bit of a segue away from the teams, but to me, the biggest overarching storyline for this Formula One season isn't what's happening on track. It's number one what's Formula 1 going to look like post-COVID? Also, is it logistically viable to have a 23 race schedule? That's pretty, like, everyone's running B-Spec cars. If if they can't do it this year, they wouldn't be able to do it any other year. Yeah. Right.
4: This this is is a big test
3: for Formula 1 in all manner of aspects, from the people track side, to the people in the teams, to the drivers and
0: the money
3: to the drivers involved. themselves. Yeah. To the money involved. Uh, yeah, I remember... I to remember on Formula One cars for 23 races.
1: Yeah, I remember the last time McLaren made a bunch of win-now moves, and it did not go well at all.
2: Yeah, because... Uh, and especially the way the calendar is formatted, we're starting the year off pretty slow. We got one race in March, one race in April. Then it is a, a, hectic, yeah, a hectic pace. We're between... May 2nd and December and December 12th
0: we are having 21 races. It's a loaded schedule. It's, it's going to break people with the amount of triple headers that we've got. I think there's like four triple headers in that block. Um, once we start with Maui, I think which is, I think is on May 3rd. Um, yeah, it's going to be an absolute logistical nightmare sorting well, all of this yeah, out.
2: In some ways <laughs> they were smart about the way they formatted some of the triple headers like one of them is uh one of them is a Spa Zandvoort then Monza which you know very close closely packed together triple header that isn't going to was... be yeah like they actually thought about how they're going to put together these triple headers but again we don't know if it's going to work out well until we actually do it
1: yeah before we wrap up McLaren uh, Dre, your thoughts on what generation Z's favorite driver needs to do for 2021 to
0: be considered a success for him and the quadrant mm. uh, gain 50,000 subscribers um, open a second open, open a second account for highlights um, no uh, <clears throat> uh, no um, in all seriousness. If he can run it even close to Daniel Ricciardo, like he did with Carlos last year, that would be considered a win as far as I'm concerned because Carlos is great. Daniel's even better. Daniel, I think, is a cut above Carlos. Daniel is a genuine, again, like I said, top three level driver in the field. And if Lando is able to keep him honest, that would be a big positive. The problem is, is that the other two guys in his class from similar years are Verstappen and Leclerc and they had rockets put up their ass from the first year there in Formula 1 and that's something that just doesn't normally happen. Lando still batted above average for a rookie when he got a top 4 seat in the sport but unfortunately Verstappen and Leclerc are in race winning level top 2 top 3 level cars within like 25 career races second year guys you have to remember guys. the
3: state of <laughs> McLaren you have to remember yeah. the state of McLaren when Lando got in there. We were wondering if he was going to score points in his first year. Because we didn't yeah. know where McLaren was going to be.
0: And that car ended up fourth in the championship. It was a big, big turnaround their second year at Rena- with, with Renault Power. Um, and yeah, the, like, like I said, the problem is that the other guys we're now going to be comparing him to is the future dudes of this sport all had a very unrealistic, unfair advantage to how their career started, because by all accounts, getting into elite level machinery in year two is not normal in Formula One. That does not normally happen. Uh, Like even Lando, like I said, uh, like Lando was above average, right? Like Lando was above average to even get a top four seat when he debuted as a rookie two years ago. That's still above par for a brand new driver in Formula One these days. So Orlando, in one sense, was lucky and also kind of unlucky at the same time. It was really strange. It was a, a luck paradox, if you will. Well, now I think but, I think uh, the
3: luck is swinging his way, where now McLaren are genuinely on the up and are starting to try and swing for regular competition, not just in the midfield, but trying to break free from the midfield.
0: Yeah, that, that should be the goal. The goal is consolidate third. The stretch goal should be... Try and mitigate some of the gap to the big two. If you do that, that's a net positive. If you Lando, if you can keep Daniel Ricciardo honest, that's a great season, as far as I'm concerned. Because this, I at think the stage we of w- his career, absolutely. For a year three guy, they're going to be more critical of him. But at the same time, the level of competition just went up a notch as well for Lando See, Norris. There's so. a
3: there's a ten year gap in age. He has yeah. a lot of time. If he can match the Ricciardo this early on as a twenty three year old, he's got a we we already know how good Lando is. That's yeah. just going to make his stock higher.
0: As, as Hamilton put it a couple of months ago, like if Lando was one of these guys that didn't sign a long term extension last year and was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, which by the way half the grid will be at the end of this season, yeah. he'd be the number one guy on the list. People will be gunning after probably after Lewis Hamilton, like because yeah. he he ticks every box. He's young, he's fast as hell, and he's extremely likable. Like that is you have got a marketing wet dream and a really talented young british driver un- under your wing he'd be yeah. extremely high value on any big board so yeah there's a lot to like about lando and yeah like i said if you if you can keep ricardo honest that's an excellent season and i don't think it's fair we compare him to verstappen and leclerc who had vastly different careers going in and an unfamiliar situations happen to their early careers in formula one that is way 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 above par because the sports Mm. changed i think the sports changed in the sense of we expect younger drivers to do more now because we are more excited and more engaged about younger talent than we've ever been in formula one again nothing to do with twitter Mm. Uh, the olds (laughs) screw the olds
1: Um, (laughs) thank you for for making it this far by the way We've got our present now. It's the big four, starting with Red Bull Racing Honda and the RB16B, driven by Mats Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Mats Verstappen, 24 years old, from the Netherlands, has 10 wins, 42 podiums, 3 pole positions, 10 fastest laps in the 96 races since Spain of 2016. When he joined the team, he finished third in the Chapman Championship the last two years running. He is, of course... F1's youngest driver driver and race winner. Sergio Perez won last year's Secure Grand Prix, driving for the team that is now Aston Martin. He has 10 podiums, 706 points, and 195 races and 191 starts. Last year, he was best of the rest, fourth in the 2020 F1 standings. This is the last year of Honda as Honda. These same engines will exist, but under a different name. And it seems like Red Bull Racing... Won the preseason testing championship and won it by a mile and a stretch, for the first time in a decade. Does this mean? Does this possibly this, mean this Red is, Bull are
3: back? This is. Stop it, Dre. Now it, it's the hope that gets you, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, this is the first time Red Bull has had what could be considered a good preseason in a decade a long since twenty eleven. In twenty twelve they stunk in preseason. In twenty thirteen they were mid all throughout the turbo hybrid era. I mean, geez, for a couple of years they kept having to put their fires on their cars out.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: This is uncharted territory in this era of F1. Yeah.
4: It's a Red Bull look one.
3: good. They don't just look good, they look great. Last year. Last year, we knew the car was fast. We also knew that Max Verstappen was having to have a fistfight with it to just keep it from spinning out at the end of the corner.
1: To say nothing of reserve driver Alexander Albon. Yes, now a reserve redacted, driver in twenty twenty one. The
3: redacted Alexander Albon. The who? Exile, exile to DTM.
1: Hang on. This hang on, Red I Bull
3: have... horsey's dad.
0: Uh, horsey's <laughs> dad, you
1: remember him? <laughs>
0: I have a visual hey, representation of the uh of the size of the amount of Kool-Aid people are drinking, hoping that Red Bull are going to match Mercedes. Oh, I have
3: no I have no <laughs> Kool-Aid whatsoever.
0: Yeah, like to, to
2: paraphrase our uh now over time on the on the Discord server watching the America's Cup. One thing that's always said about the America's Cup that based on the advantage that the cup holders, or in Formula 1's case, the champions have, it is almost impossible for anyone else to beat them. But that almost, that's what keeps you engaged. That's what gives you hope that someone can beat them. And it's the same thing with Red Bull. We see that there's a chance that they could beat Mercedes. And everyone out there is like, maybe this year's the year.
0: We're rubbing our hands like (laughs) Birdman back here. Uh, (laughs) Scooter
3: or <laughs> Ferrari were invincible right up until the FIA put a gun to their kneecaps. And this, this Red Bull is the first one in a couple of years as well, where it actually looks good out on track. It doesn't look like it's trying to rip Max Verstappen's head off. And Sergio Perez, for his credit, seemed to acclimatize to the car pretty
0: damn quick. It's good. uh, I, I I look. I, we've been here before. (laughs) we're we're here every year. We're here every year. I refuse to drink that large bottle of Kool Aid now. Halfway down my bed, look. It's
3: one of those thirty-two ounce Red Bulls.
0: But it's orange. (sighs) Look. We we do this year after year, and as King, King King was absolutely on the nose. It's the it's the hope that gets you. It's the almost because let's be honest, a lot of casual and a lot of neutral viewers want to see Mercedes taken down a peg. They're a little bit tired of Lewis Hamilton winning. Just don't mention that on social media, otherwise you will be seen as, as the enemy of the state. Of um, a lot of neutrals, like with all dominant sports. They want to see Mercedes taken down a peg, you know. So I understand why people are going to drink the Kool Aid, thinking that there's a hope that Red Bull can take the fight to Mercedes. One, I don't think people have, I think people have forgotten just how far away Red Bull were last year. They won two races out of seventeen last season, and one of them, their their lead driver had COVID nineteen or at least was recovering from COVID-19. I, 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 and, and that guy had lost two-thirds of a stone in weight in the space of 10 days uh, when he came to get back to get it back in a car again. Like, there was not going to be a challenge from Mercedes on that final race. And let's not forget, that was a car that hadn't been touched since Belgium of last season. So, like, they are probably somewhere between 0.4 and 0.6 off where Mercedes were at the end of last season. That's a huge gap yeah. to make up.
2: And, you know, they despite... Ne- they ne-
0: Despite Max Verstappen winning that last race,
2: he still finished third in the Construct... I mean, third in the Drivers' Championship. (laughs) For all the shit
0: we give Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen was still behind him last year. And don't get me wrong, a lot of that is also Red Bull's problem because they were not great with reliability last year either. There was a little bit of bad luck involved with Max here and there. But they had a couple of nasty DNFs as well. And Red Bull are probably going to have to be something near perfect to even give Mercs something to think about. Like, I said it on my video preview, get within 100 points of Mercs and that would be considered a really good season. They need to start thinking about, can we win 8 to 10 races as opposed to the 2 to 4 they normally ban around? Yeah, they need to they double need- that win count. They need to treble that win count for for me to sit down and say, yeah, this team's really made progress. Because if they're only winning 2 to 4 rounds a year... It doesn't matter, because they'll be in the same spot they've roughly always been in, this entire V6 hybrid era. Don't get me wrong.
3: The difference is, every year, what's the theme with Red Bull? They start the year off and sanitation workers are seen in Milton Keynes. They can't (laughs) take that smell from how bad the car is. Mm. And then they develop. And then they find their problem. And then... They start being competitive at the end of the year. I don't get that vibe at all from this car. It looks like they get this car right off the bat.
2: But then again... Is 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 that enough? That is
3: not enough. That uh, that alone is not enough to beat Mercedes. But what it does mean is that I don't think Red Bull's on the back foot like they usually are.
2: Though again, we are looking through it through this frame that this was... The shortest preseason testing period in the modern history of the sport. We only had yeah. three days of testing,
3: and, and yet on the first day, the car looked fucking awful in the morning. It looked like the usual Red Bull spin, huh. and then by afternoon, yeah, yeah, it's a trap. I'm not saying they're going to beat Mercedes. I don't think they're going to beat Mercedes.
0: I'm just, but I do think it's going to be a significantly
3: closer fight than last year.
0: Unlike certain British Good Morning programs, I'm here to bring balance to the force. <laughs> um, and I, and I. Are and you I'm about, are you
3: also about to walk off the set in rage that you were
0: called out by a weatherman? Uh, no, th- there's no there's no disgraceful behaviour for me to walk out on yet. I've not got it in for the royal family yet, not publicly anyway. Not yet. <laughs> um, but no, look we've been here I've seen I've seen this story too many times of Red Bull for me to start believing in anything other than the usual two to four wins Verstappen will get the occasional spectacular performance out and probably win two or three Grand Prix a year and we'll all go oh look how great Max is and then you know look don't get me wrong he's a fantastic driver number two in the world comfortably right now But the biggest problem with Red Bull is not the quality of their car. The biggest problem they've had right now is the lack of a second scorer. And there is no guarantee that Sergio Perez is going to be that guy either. And again, he might be pre-season testing champion here in terms of individuality, laps, logged, and overall speed. But... Perez needs to be scoring 250 points this season, minimum to, again, even think about mounting an overall title challenge, because Max can be spectacular. It won't mean jack shit if the second car ain't doing anything. So, Correct. there's a there's a lot of issues with that Red Bull that they need to address if they want to give Merck's a fight. And it's not necessarily because Red Bull are terrible, it's just because we're dealing with the greatest team ever this sport has ever seen. And that's going to be the problem going forward. You know, I, uh, I think you all hit the nail on the head. Verstappen
1: is a great driver. Sergio Perez has proven time and time again that he can score points, even when the conditions don't necessarily call for him to score points. And this car does look better than it has at this stage in years past, but there is a bit of current to grave on, and ultimately, because Formula One is a sport of nothing else but inertia, it's going to be closer. I just don't think they're going to get over the hump. It's a trap! <sighs> oh my god. You've made it this far. Mercedes, AMG, Petronas, Formula One team.
4: Sir Champions. Lewis Hamilton and
1: Valtteri Bottas. <sighs> Sir Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time Great Formula One World Champion. Most wins, most polls, most podiums, most points. Six seasons with 10 wins or more. Valtteri Bottas, nine wins, 56 podiums, 16 polls, 15 fast slap, 1,512 points, and most of that comes with his... Tanya, at Mercedes, he's a two-time Formula 1 Vice Champion. I'll say this for free, Valtteri Bottas. If nothing else, just go out there and have a career year, just so you can boost your value on the free agent market.
3: Don't uh, do it we've for us! Don't do mo- it for us! We've moved on, do we've moved on to, to Bottas NT Workstation 4.0.
0: Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it better or worse than Windows 95? <sighs> um, to be Can't determined, be worse than Windows Mercedes
3: Saturday. had their worst preseason test of the turbo hybrid era. God damn it, Jim. God hopes.
2: damn it, Jim. You did it again.
3: <laughs> so, um, the car had repeated gearbox troubles. The car looked like a savage bastard out on track. A bit like the Red Bull did last year where Lewis Hamilton could not keep the thing on the road. They covered the least mileage of any team. How many times did
1: Lewis Hamilton spin in testing?
3: Twice. Compared I to I how many times he spun... No, he I think he spun four times. Four. He spun quite a few. Yeah. He spun more in testing than I've seen him spin in fucking years. Um Mercedes look not so much hurt because I think hurt is the wrong way to term it. I think these new floor regulations have caught them out where I think it has very heavily affected where the sweet spot on their car is and where it's happy. Not only have they not found that, I mean, they were having trouble just hanging on to that car at all. It's not very Merce- it, it's not a very Mercedes vibe. Usually even one. when they're slow, correct? So, correct so, question,
0: uh, so question number one, does any of this matter?
3: Yes. Because you sure? Mercedes are used to being slow in preseason testing. We see it every year. They don't post any lap times. They just pound around for a couple hundred laps every day. Did you know that intentionally spinning the car is a form of sandbag? A <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit of high-risk sandbag. It was actually, there was, the sandbags in the Mercedes were so big, they triggered a sandstorm on day one of testing, which <sighs> enveloped the track for nearly the half, second half of the day. This is, aside, this is weird.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm used to me- watching Mercedes be slow. Stop, Dre. I Dre, will did you, never Dre, walk Dre off. Did, you watch, did you watch testing? Did you waste your time watching testing? I know if I did I got some good sleep. If Mercedes looked like this and they had their typical insane amount of mileage on the car, I would say this is business as usual. I think Mercedes aren't hurt, but I think they are on the back foot compared to what we think of Mercedes as, which is this invulnerable, unstoppable team. Yeah,
0: and, and they'll figure it out by Portimao, and then they'll win fifteen in a row, and it won't matter. Next,
3: but then, um. but, but <laughs> you, there's another very important part of this. Does Mercedes really want to? Blow 2022 on fixing the car if indeed there is a problem. This is the worst year to start on the back foot. I know what Red Bull will do. They'll develop the car until the 23rd race in the season say, fuck 2022. Yeah.
0: Red Bull will throw... Uh, we, we know. Red Bull will throw the house at this. Like, Mercedes yeah. might throw the house at this. We know we know from we we know from history.
2: Yeah, we know from history Mercedes does not do that. If they're like if we reach midseason and like whatever the car is at midseason, that's their car for the year. They're not. No matter how good or bad it is, they're not going to develop it past that point. They're focusing on the funny thing
0: is, though, is like Toto Wolf said after the test, quote, we found the fly in the suit. We found found the hair in the suit. What is he going to
2: say? No, we don't know what's wrong
3: with our car, guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, no,
3: no, he's no. That was out of context. That is saying, yeah, we found there is a problem with the car. That's not saying we found no. the fix for the problem. No,
0: no. I think, no, 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 no.
3: I think, the Mercedes we saw in testing is not necessarily the car we'll see at round one. No, I think e-
0: not even near.
3: I not like, something on the 2019 level where they just threw the whole car away and brought a new one for week two. But at the same time, that's a very risky strategy when. You had three days of testing and potentially hundreds of laps to throw at the problem, and instead you waited until FP1 of round one.
4: Yeah,
0: typically, Well, typically that's never that, been a good like, strategy. Merck said apparently they had no plans to do a race sim during that test anyway, so the lack of lap time didn't really bother them. Their words. The lap time.
3: Lying. The lap time don't, never matters for Mercedes.
0: No, I'm talking about lack. Of, I'm talking about lack of laps in general because apparently their plan was they were never going to do a full race sim. I don't believe during that during this test anyway. If, if you want to believe it or one, not, it's up to you. But the, the,
3: in testing only one thing, there's only one barometer and that's mileage. Yeah.
2: And Mercedes has always been a mileage team. They they're not suddenly <clears throat> going to change their testing philosophy just out of the blue suddenly
3: just for this year. I don't think it's, they're in the yeah. trouble that some people think they're in. I think that they They have some hard work ahead of them to try and find what's wrong and correct it. Mercedes are the king of problem solvers. Well, they have a problem. It's visible. Now it's time to go solve it. Yeah, and they have time.
2: They it is time. It is six weeks until race three of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A month and a half... And it's a twenty-three race season. They have. They can even afford to have a couple of bad rounds and fix the problem down the road. It's not like if there's more. Le- there's a lot more leverage to play with when this season is six races bigger than last season's, as it stands. Yeah. But you know, like it's <sighs> they can afford to, to to coast to second to fourth for a few bad rounds. As Sasha's pointing out, and I Discord but, right now, and then still be fine. But they can't
3: this year, though. Because if they don't, if they have a problem and they have to devote resources, you want to end development this year as soon as you can. Yeah, sure. If we saw the Mercedes from last year, where we looked at it in preseason testing, thought, "Yeah, that car's basically got infinite grip." Yeah. And as it played out, that's what happened. If they had that advantage coming into this year, there would be no development. Yeah, they would have already started on twenty.
2: Yeah, because there is. Time as in just like empty time, and then there's burning races. They can't afford that. They need to get this car. They need to get this car to where they feel they have control over this championship as soon as possible, so they can shift focus the next year.
4: The
0: blessing for them, yeah. The blessing, yeah. The blessing for that is that Red Bull. We still don't know about the Red Bull car number two, and that could be an even more critical part of this championship fight than we gave it credit for a year ago. Like yeah. we don't know. The, pro- the, bigger the bigger problem for them is that
3: there's no team that does in-season development like Red Bull. Yeah. They have the best in-season development every year, whether that's because they start the year off fucking terrible, like they did last year, where they were in a yawning chasm between the whole field and then Mercedes. It's what a- it's the two teams together at the front. It's the mix of Red Bull having their best preseason in a decade and Mercedes having their worst of the engine era. And because of the dynamic of when do you cut development and move on to 2022, it makes it very interesting which team is going to just throw the house at this year, hail Mary, get that championship before the new cars come in, and which one, if they're on the back foot, just moves on. Yeah.
4: It's, it's, I'm it's, not do the
3: stupid it's thing. more. It's more interesting than it is in usual years where we see. Oh, the Red Bull yeah. looks like a death trap in testing, and Mercedes goes and whoops everyone's ass by a second in round one. <laughs> and
0: it won't yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, <I'm, laughs> That's yeah, by I the st-
3: way,
1: st- I'm not. I I'm not even going to entertain that. the idea that Lewis Hamilton has COVID rust.
0: <laughs> no. I, n- I no none of that. No, and and, and honestly, it's like we've painted a fantastic picture of something potentially interested, and there I still think there is a better than coin flip chance Merckx rolls up to the opening round and curb stomps everybody again, because again, we've seen this story before. Maybe not to this extreme, but certainly- We've We've never seen it with Red Bull. We saw
3: it plenty of times with Ferrari, and Ferrari is Ferrari, which is to say Ferrari is the worst. This is the first time going into a season where Red Bull hasn't looked like a dumpster fire going into round one.
0: Where are thou, Mercedes? I don't know. Um, Look, it's... uh, I know a lot. I I don't know how much of it is genuine concern, how much of it is we just want to see mercs get beaten. Um, And it's a hard river to cross when it comes to a lot of that discourse because the whole big narrative coming out of testing was that Mercedes might be vulnerable. Red Bull looked really good. You factor those two in together. You put it in a blender, you hit frappe, and there you go. There's your 2021 hope for a season that looked like, until testing, there was none. So... I get why people want to be excited and have gotten their dander up over this. Don't,
3: don't get me wrong. I don't want to see Max Verstappen win a championship. <laughs> I respect his talent, but I can't stand that little prick.
0: No, he's a bastard. But but, but, but he's a damn good racing driver, unfortunately. And yeah, like... Again, I, that whole eight brain cells theory that I talked about <laughs> in Ferrari? Yeah, yeah, look. It extends here. Thing- And the funny thing is, we've barely even mentioned their drivers because we haven't had to. This is genuinely one of the most interesting teams for driver lineups we've got, mostly because all three of their main protagonists are out of contract at the end of this season. Hamilton's out of contract, Bottas is out of contract, and George Russell is out of contract for next season. What I
3: want to see... I don't want to see Lewis Hamilton be so goddamn bored this year that he forgets start procedures and is getting penalties and losing races. Because he doesn't. Because he gets to operate at like 70% because his car is so busted and Valtteri is. Don't
0: mention that on the internet. We're going to be killed. They can be in my inbox.
3: I do not care. Just because he has a good car does not devalue him as a driver and vice versa. I want to see. More than last year, where we saw round one and already knew it was dead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can only hope. So, before we get out of dodge, is there any movement on the obvious predictions for driver and for driver and constructors titles?
1: Um, no. I, I got some interesting prop bets later on,
3: as well as championship odds. Go on do I do it to be a contrarian
0: no we don't do that here (laughs) Trey
3: it's
1: all you ever do that's my job that's my job on the show
0: Uh, when am I ever the contrarian on this show don't all laugh Uh, (laughs) thank you king see some king gets it down there don't you shake your head okay RJ what's next
1: Uh, Championship shoot. odds by SkyBet these were taken as of March 17 2021 and may have changed by the time this preview or, or or the second part of this preview is released these are for entertainment purposes only Lewis Hamilton is at 4 to 9 Max Verstappen at 11 to 4 Valtteri Bottas at 12 Sergio Perez on 16 Leclerc Ricardo on 33 Vettel on 50 Norris on 66 George Russell is at 101 with Carlos Sainz. Do these bookmakers know something that we don't? Do they think somebody's getting a long-term COVID case, either Hamilton or Botas? Oh, Alonso no. on 150, Stroll and Tsunoda on 250, which is weird that he's that far at Gasly and Ocon at 500, Raikkonen at 1,000, Giovinazzi and Schumacher on 2,000, and Latifi and Driver 1 Haas at 2,500 to 1.
0: Oh no! Um, the cons- what a shame!
1: <laughs> in the constructors' championship, Mercedes are at one to four odds. Red Bull at three to one. McLaren on twenty five. Ferrari on twenty eight. Aston Martin on hundred. Alpine on one hundred fifty. Alfa at five hundred. Alfa Romeo at seven fifty. Haas and Williams at a thousand each. Are there any good bets in this? No, no, yeah,
2: show? like it's the usual. Yeah.
0: The only one I, I the only one I said that was even half worth a sniff is Valtteri Bottas each way for the championship because you get a further the odds for top two. If Mercs are dominant, there's a good chance Valtteri will be second. A further the odds if you win willing to go each way, the place bet pays four to one. It's not bad by any stretch, if you're willing to wait till December to to collect your winnings because obviously it's eight months down the road, um, basically. Um... That's about as good as he is he going to get on this one, as far as like Hamilton and Verstappen are so short title odds wise, and I don't think Verstappen's going to win the driver's title. Um, and that's about it, really. Um, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you something cool, but I got nothing. Um, the bookies are not going to get rinsed for the fourth year in a row because they've been very generous with Hamilton prices year on year. This, I think, this was the year they turned around and was like. Nah, we're not. We're not, nah, Don't, don't even bother. Not. Don't even bother. Like with us, it's two to five. I mean, that, that's the don't even bother price right there. Um, in other words, you, you're betting a hundred dollars to win forty. I mean, pff, right. don't even bother. Honestly. Prop bets time.
1: Uh, over under five and a half podium finishes from teams other than Mercedes and Red Bull. I'm going over.
0: You, you cut out a second there, RJ.
1: Alright. Now we're at the prop bet section of our podcast. Oh. Mm-hmm. Five and a half podium finishes over under from teams other than Mercedes and Red Bull.
0: Did it happen again? Yeah, it, it happened, happened again. Don't it let <laughs> <told> me <laughs> how you do these prop bet sections. It, it's,
3: it's been happening a bunch during RJ's feed.
1: Yeah. God Try damn
3: again. it. We're
1: now at the prop bet section of our podcast. Yes. I would like to start <laughs> with a podium finishes over under of five and a half from teams other than Mercedes and Red Bull. Did I get it in one take? Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm going for the first time. <laughs> under. Uh.
2: You could you could put me on the over. <laughs> over. Ooh. Ooh. I think over. the races are gonna be chaotic enough this year that we'll get we'll get six we'll get six podium finishes outside of Red Bull and Mercedes. That's why they run the races, of course. One and a half
1: wins from teams other than Mercedes and Red Bull. I'm also going over.
3: Over. Da- I think we'll get three. I think we'll get three. I'm going under.
2: Uh, I am going under too I think Mercedes and Red Bull are going to hold somewhat of a monopoly on, on the top step. And, and yeah and I'm, I'm 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 leaning
0: towards Perez being good this year which will make it that much harder for anybody else to win. Mm.
1: 24 and a half safety car interventions not including VSCs for the 2021
3: season. So actual car out on track. Yeah. Okay. So under. that is,
2: yeah, that is more than one safety car a race. Uh,
0: Unless Singapore gets like uh, six or something. Hard, That's hardcore under. under. Yeah, I'm under this one.
1: You know, <laughs> the trends have shown I'm going over. You're, oh, my God. <laughs> really?
3: This really? is going really? really? to be a they're,
1: mess. There have been a couple of two and three baggers in a 17 race season last year.
3: I like how Lewis puts in our uh, Discord, hit Baku Happens, over. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. On a, a
1: similar note of attrition, um, half a race with eight retirements or more.
0: Oh, put me on the over. <laughs> over. over. You're guaranteed one chaotic race a year. Over. Over. Oh, like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we're all in agreement. We're going over. We're, we're going over like Triple H in the early 2000s. <laughs> 20 and a half drivers start at least one Grand Prix, which is an interesting way of me asking the question, do you think is everybody there a starts the season
2: finishes the season? That means, that means, uh, like someone... No, co- COVID, no positive COVID, COVID test. Set? Okay, okay. Oh, uh, then you have no, to no up it from at least one. You have to, like...
0: Mm. I'm gonna say under. I think all 20 will be as they stand. I tend to agree. So that actually happened in 2019 where all 20 who started the year actually finished the year, and that was the first time that it ever happened in F1. Mm. Hey.
1: For once, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna be optimistic and say that nobody's gonna get a COVID test. Nobody is gonna drive enough like an idiot. No
0: going on, on holiday mid-season, you fuckers. Give me um, the, the
2: over. I think someone's getting fired. Whoa. I think someone's get getting fired.
0: Okay. Check I'm looking at you. <laughs> Charles Leclerc, uh, I'm looking uh, in your general direction. Car- no,
3: no. <laughs> Carlos Sainz. What about me, Mattia? <laughs> I'm going home.
4: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> we're wrapping
1: these up here. Uh, as an apology for not being able to do a full season preview for Formula oh. 2 in 2021, who you got to win the Formula 2 championship?
2: Yep, as a quick refresher, the... What I consider the title contenders in F2 this year. At Primo, we got Robert Sorsman, Oscar Piastri. At Uni Yoshi we got Guan Yu Zhao and Felipe Drogovic. At Carlin, we got Tictum. Uh, we got Tictum and Durvala again. And at High Tech, we have Lawson and Vips. At ART we also have Lingard and Teo Porcher. Uh, those are pretty much everyone I think who would have a realistic chance of winning this championship.
1: I wouldn't over overlook Marcus Armstrong at Dams. I, I would overlook Roy Nissany <laughs> He's not gonna be the oh. fifth year fun ruiner this time out. But, but uh, I, uh
3: I'm gonna go with a spicy Lungard. Spicy Lungard. I'm gonna I like
2: go, Christian
0: I, I like Christian Lungard. I'm going personally.
2: with the safe pick, Robert Schwartzman.
3: Oh, total bandwagon over here. <laughs>
0: Boo! Boo! I... Title Town Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. I... <laughs> so,
3: oh. so
1: so here's the deal. Um ART right now doesn't know how to set up more than one car at a time. Uh we don't <sighs> it's hard for me to gauge where high guys are. It's hard for me to gauge where Carbon's guys are. I think, I think I'm going Guan Yu Zhao for the title this year. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. I can can see it.
1: And just to wrap things up, because I think we're, I guess we're all in agreement that Mercs are going to win the World Constructors Championship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Because. World Constructors
1: Championship without. Yeah. Who's going to win without the big two? In other words, who's going to finish third and take the Formula One and a half title? McLaren,
0: Papaya,
3: McLaren, Aston. because I Ooh, I really uh, it's between those two teams isn't it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know. Go on, King. <sighs> I, te- I I rescind uh, my previous insult. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If it wasn't for the testing woes, I'd go Aston Martin out of the box. And I still think they'll do well and contend for wins. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be McLaren-Mercedes.
0: Also, I love that Steve in the Discord is disappointed Kingy didn't pick Alpine. <laughs> I'm picking Alpine for third!
2: <laughs> That's
3: my <opinion>. gimmick! <laughs> King say, has betrayed his country! You have to, <laughs> you, you have to remember, up. people. King has an outstanding bet. If Alpine wins a race, he's getting a blueberry pie to the face.
1: <laughs> oh, that's my... that's my bet! I also <laughs> want in on that bet!
0: Let's finally, go! World Let's go, Ocon! Let's go, Ocon! I want a pie in the <laughs> face! <laughs> yep.
1: And I guess we're all in agreement that Lewis is gonna win World Drivers' yep. Championship. Lewis is gonna win Who's drivers. finishing runner-up?
0: Must happen. I have no faith. I have given up on the Valtteri Savior Tour at this point. I think the uh, staff yeah, is next I'm, second. I'm, go- I'm, I'm also going for staff. I'm going for <laughs> staff. <laughs> Ouch. The man you gave a 10, you traitorous heathen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Cam, what about you? No. It's, it's fucking. It's for Stappen. Like what, <laughs> yeah.
3: what do you take me for? A Valteri Beltas apologist? I'm not king. Whoa, <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa. Ten out Easy. of ten have an ass.
1: <laughs> Folks, we're 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 delirious after two solid I hours of note,
3: a note though. A note on that runner up. I think Verstappen runs it within a race this year. I'm gonna say Lewis so, wins it disagree. one race early. Oh. Not three. So you think that I Lewis is going to
2: clinch the championship in the beautiful seaside resort city of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, oh. a popular title? <laughs> win, I'm <sure>. Oh God! <laughs> I, I, no, think, th- I think there'll, no, I there'll think be no before.
0: gammon in the room talking about how Hamilton hasn't spoken enough about being an activist in Saudi Arabia. All the gammon will be coming out during that Grand Prix. It's going to be delicious. Get the and That's why I think out. he's
1: going to clinch it in
2: Abu Dhabi,
0: and this yeah. race is going to go all the way to the last round. Sure, why Hamilton's not?
1: still going to win.
2: Yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, gut feeling. I think Hamilton's going to clinch it two races early in Brazil. That'll no, muscle, that's a, it? that's Australia. Oh, Australia now? Yeah, yeah, I remember it's yeah. moved. That's, yeah. That'd be weird. Yep, Australia. Oi,
0: <laughs> oy, oi! Thank
1: you for listening to all of this content. Let's get the hell out of here.
3: I think, wait, before we go, uh, we also got some further news on uh, yeah. another loss in motorsport. Manfred oh, Kramer shit, die. has lost his life at uh, the age 81. Mastermind, of course, of the 1979 uh, Le Mans 24-hour victory with his home-built Porsche 935s. Great um, cars. He built cars that dominated the sports car scene, both uh, internationally and in the United States in EMSA, for the better part of, really, from the middle of the 70s until the middle of the 80s, along with his brother, Erwin uh, Kramer. Mm. Huge loss in sports car racing
0: yeah. What a shit day for motorsport Jesus Christ God. We, we got news of this about an hour ago As we were recording the show um, Yeah oh, Not a nice day at all In motorsport unfortunately mm-hmm. um, Of course our thoughts And prayers go out to their loved ones And those affected Shut up this up RJ Go ahead Take a yeah, side. good idea. Because um, uh, this this was this was like the old days of motorsport 101, where we went two hours twenty minutes for your enjoyment. But I really enjoyed that for um, for the most part. So uh, yeah, hopefully all of our predictions get get torn up and put in a bin because that would be the best news for everybody involved. Um, Thanks everyone that stuck around, much appreciated, Uh, or joined in late, heck it was such a long window, I can't say I blame you, Um, but uh, basically you can find us one more time on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, or on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, our twitter handles are on the screen right now, uh, down in the description below if you're watching this on YouTube after the fact, or if you're not listening to us on video, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at buckley 917 I knew I was forgetting something this morning. The Instagram page, Motorsport101pod, for, for all the updates on new episodes and content and bonus stuff and all that is on there. Our podcast page, our website, motorsport101.com. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five dollars to get you early access to all of our audio shows while we're still caught up. Um, and $10 for the supporters club of our Discord server and the video... Video versions of all our shows as well thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week because yeah the uh, bi-weekly break is over we've got a MotoGP season preview to get through on season preview season ladies and gentlemen and uh, ladies and gentlemen friends outside the minor, he's you? back <laughs> or is he? he's back and well, he's swole
3: talk about uh, rep swole Honda yeah rep <laughs>
0: Or is he? Or isn't he? We'll find out and talk more about that next week on the show because if you thought this was a crapshoot, you haven't seen the 2021 MotoGP season yet. (laughs) That'll be fun. Until then, I've been Drake Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Until next time, thank you very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you guys soon. Sayonara. And it's lights out, and it's go, go,
2: go. Bye!
3: quite sad now.